This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that loves Eccles cakes. It does. Well, I do anyway. Uh, They say that a week is a long time in politics. Well, whoever said that was definitely not a Chelsea supporter. The news that no Chelsea supporter ever wanted to hear dropped an hour before the Luton match last Wednesday, that Roman Abramovich was selling the club It looks like the Roman Empire is coming to an end, as empires always do, something that us Brits know a lot about. Uh, Everyone is feeling quite uncomfortable with the inevitable uncertainty and change that is heading our way. It's a good job then that we had some football to focus on on Saturday, as Chelsea travelled to Burnley. I always view this fixture with some trepidation, and the first goalless half confirmed my fears. But fear not, Thomas Tuchel uh, had it all uh, figured out, and at half-time... Uh, well, he had it all figured out at half time, and within 10 minutes of the second half kicking off, Chelsea had roared into a 3 0 lead. Pulisic then made it four after 65 minutes to make it a long overdue thrashing. Uh, and the on pitch instigator of the turnaround? Well, none other than Reese James, making his first Premier League start for nine weeks. He scored the first with a brilliant shimmy, and then, he, and he, then his trademark horse kick and assisted the third with a ball across the six-yard box where even a stumbling Havertz couldn't miss. There really is nothing that is anything like Rhys James and how Chelsea have missed him. And the title of tonight's show, of course, is There is Nothing Like Rhys James, Chelsea Fancast 881. And before I start, JK, uh, I mean, brilliant on your fan by obviously. Um, but I, I, I felt, and Sid actually did put a tweet out, as did Mark. He found Marco's original tweet. But I feel I feel duty-bound to actually give the credit for that song to, to Sid Celery on Twitter, who we know very well. I, he's a lovely bloke. I'm very fond of, uh, fond of H. 
um, who, who wrote it out and actually posted on Twitter. And then Marco got hold of it. And of course, Marco then sang it on here. And of course, dear old me and JK have been trying to get it going ever since. But I, I felt we needed to, to give Sid the appropriate credit. Where credit. credit's due. Absolutely, Absolutely. right. Uh, dear boy, how are you? Have you thawed out? Oh, God, it got so cold. Bloody hell. I had a lovely experience on the train back from uh, um, Burnley to Pre- on the way to Preston. There were a group of, um, of uh, young ladies in just celebrating somebody's 30th birthday on their Did way to Did you pull, Black- JK? On their way to Blackpool. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know, I can't really pull anymore because I don't have a penis anymore. If, if something gets I, I, pulled, it comes off permanently, doesn't it? It, it, it has come off. I don't have one anymore, Chidge. It's in a, <laughs> it's in a velvet bag in the wardrobe. But... Um, uh um this this girl called emily um she she uh we're just chatting and um the, we're, we're surrounding all the masses of chelsea we and everybody crammed into this really small carriage train going back to preston and uh they were in very good voice masses of the very good voice ever going through all the songs and everything and i was chatting to the girl i said why are you why are you here and she said no where about she's i'm from she said I've, I've, i come from leeds and she said i said oh dirty leeds <laughs> So she said, I don't know anything about football. She said, but my dad's a football fan. But um, um, she said, I actually come from Brigham. I said, they've got a brass band there. She said, how do you know about the brass band? I said, I don't know. I just know about, I don't know. I remember there being a brass band. She said, yes, lovely. I said, it's great. I like brass band. She said, oh, that's nice. So we bonded on that level. And I said, what's when, when, who's the birthday girl? She said, this girl. She said, Laura. So I said to everybody there, about 30 people chanting. I said, boys, 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 everybody, guys, 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 it's this girl's birthday. Can, can you all sing happy birthday? Happy birthday. And they went, hey, what's her name? Laura, happy birthday to you. Birthday, happy birthday to you. And then they sang the Shagger Rotten, Shagger Rotten. <laughs> uh, which they liked, I have to say. But um, And then we got off at Preston and she uh, she said, I'm going to give you a kiss. She said, I went, I went, oh, oh, oh. And there were no stirrings anywhere because, as I said, I don't have a penis anymore. But um, uh, it was a really lovely, lovely moment. And, and what I loved also was the fact there were lots of 15 to 20 year olds. They're quite pretty girls. And um, who were, um, who were, by the way, were going to go out and just have a McDonald's for that night and, uh, and get very pissed. That was their way of, of celebrating the 30th birthday. But um, uh, they were very circumspect. Other than that song, there was a kind of, uh, you know, oh, where you go and yeah, I could take you out sometime. You just think everybody's trying to operate on these six, you know, these six pretty girls. It was a, a very lovely, lovely moment indeed. So, uh, yeah, that was on the way back. Well, there so, you go. That's been the Chelsea fan cast tonight. We'll see you again on Friday. Sorry about that. <laughs> Long story. And I may say also, I met lots of people. Brilliant story. Brilliant story. I'm, I'm, I'm very quickly, I met lots of people on the train who were very, very um, appreciative of the show. I want oh, to really? say fantastic it was yeah oh, yeah man yeah via the fan bite they said they said we love the fan bite we love the show do you want to say what a great show you've got Whoa. yeah Fuck, that's ten, really lovely about 10 people said that to me on the train okay so, that's yeah. that's our 10 listeners then all, all 10 of them yeah but two of them i knew anyway so that'd be eight, eight <laughs> <laughs> marvelous 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 jk who have we got on the show tonight Oh, I don't care. I don't know <laughs> who are they. Fuck them. Fuck them. Just you and me. Fuck them all. Uh, no, fuck them no, 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 no. No, it, it, no it, it's um, it's the uh, I I can't be bothered to give my eulogy. So it's the marvelous Dan and the marvelous Dane. Dan Silver and Dane Whittle. Fantastic. Good evening. Good evening. 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 Danny boy, good to see you on Saturday at the EGM, uh, which I thought was very good. And uh, Dane, it's it seems like ages since we've seen you, mate. How are you? Yeah, I, mean, I think I was about. Maybe about four or five weeks ago on a Friday. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Looking forward to this. Uh, had to turn down poor Dean and the women's podcast tonight, but Ooh. it's nice to come on this. Well, he it's bloody nice. knows the schedule, the silly ass. He gets a copy. 
<laughs> yeah, he li- he likes to uh, schedule on a on a Monday now. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he knows he knows this. Obviously, you, you guys come first. Good even man. though I appreciate I appreciate the love that Dean gives me. Well, I need to speak to Dean as well, actually, because I, I need him to sub for me if he can in a couple of weeks' time. But that's another story. Anyway, great to see you both. Great to see J.K. and hear his loony stories. Uh, life would be very dull without J.K.'s stories, <laughs> that is for sure. Uh, now, on the show tonight, in part one, we look at Tuchel's team selection, as we always do. Uh, we explain why there is nothing like Reese James. J.K. may even sing it. Uh, dis- we're going to discuss Tuchel's tweak and uh, Havertz, Chelsea's number nine. Yes. Uh, And in part two, we discuss why Tuchel is playing a blinder at the moment. And we ask if we should be worried about Mason Mount. And we discuss Chelsea building up a head of steam with a good few weeks coming up. Uh, Or are they building up a good, uh, you know what I mean. Anyway, in part three, we've got the fannies for man of the match in Guinness moment. No salary. Nothing was. Well, I mean, had we had salary moment, JK's train story would have won it hands down. (laughs) Without a doubt. So there we go. Probably just as well we didn't have a salary moment. Uh, so we've got, yeah, Guinness and Man of the Match and a couple of Discord questions and some emails to read out, some very good emails. Uh, not all of them on what's happening with the club at the moment, I hasten to add. And uh, we wrap up in part four by asking the question. The question on everybody's lips at the moment. The Roman Empire, is it decline and fall or fall and rise? And uh, what kind of owners do we want and not want? What changes should be made and not made? And what must be protected? And just how worried are we? So there we go. So we're going to ask all the big questions right at the end of the show now. Uh, don't forget, of course, you can listen to the show live every Monday at se- thank you at 7pm by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in the chat with the lovely people who are all in there. Uh, and we've got some lovely people in there. The lovely Donal. There we go. The midshipman. Is in the is in the uh, what he's in in midships I would have thought uh, Daryl Brian Chelsea Paul uh, Planet Earth is blue lovely to see you Kurt Benny the blue Tuchel my fancy I like that good name Paul Burgess Matthew the American Nathan oh so Vincent oh that was last week Vincenzo I think oh you don't know it might be no it is he's in there now brilliant loads of people as always Danny Francisco or Dan Francisco as I like to call him so there you go that's what you can do on a Monday evening at seven join all that lot and have a good chat about Chelsea and ignore everything we say that is the uh, advice I would give you right we'll be back after this very short break to talk about the Burnley match Welcome back to Stanford Chidge here on the Chelsea Fancast. Now, uh, JK, uh, I thought we did quite well with the team selection. Who were we to know that Alonso would be out with COVID and that yeah. uh, hudson Odoi was also out and that he would pick Saul to be the left wing back? Didn't see that coming. Yeah. Uh, but Pulisic for Zayic, I think you got that spot on. You said that he, he won't play Zayic. He's only just come back from injury. That's a pattern he does have. He He, he doesn't want to give people a go who haven't been playing, even if they've been doing well in training. Because he did the same with Reese during the week, didn't he? He, he suggested he might play him against Luton because he'd been training so well, but he'd think about it. And he didn't because that's his way of doing it. He doesn't, um, 
he doesn't put you in if you've been injured and missed. He gives you a, a, a gap and then brings you on as a sub and sees how you play. But um, as we discovered, um, Reese was just, um, it makes you realise what we've been missing. We'll get on to Reese, won't we? Yeah, I mean, he had Chiloba on the on the right of the three of the centre-back. We, which we, which we, we suggested would happen as well instead of Christensen for the very same reason, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, I'm glad to see him. And uh, and we had Jorginho and Kante in the middle. Which is, isn't what we suggested because no. we thought Kovacic, we thought, in fact, we were saying we thought that Jorginho's time might have been um, uh, over in the current way the team was playing in the current the best side that we had out trying to predict that Tuchel will always pick a best side but it doesn't have work like that at all he picks horses for courses and um yeah, whoever's been uh, whoever played well in the game before if they've been a uh, a decent sub he'll give them a go if somebody's been injured it, it, it's it's a pattern we were, we're beginning to find a pattern but I was surprised that um we was all surprised that Kovacic didn't play because Kovacic had come on and played so well mm. in the uh, um, in the Luton game. But yeah, I mean, I'm trying to. I was feel we should, we should debate what the strengths of Jorginho and Kovacic are because they're obviously different players, and he decides accordingly that he wants one to complement Kante because Kante had a completely superb second half. I mean, bloody hell! We talk about the brilliance of Reese James, but I thought Kante was magnificent in the second half. Absolutely, he he ran that us going further up the pitch with a, with an energy that is you know thank goodness we've got him playing and thank goodness he's playing more consistently and is fit because i was just so impressed by that i was impressed by the the way we stepped up first 10 minutes second half absolutely blew them away we'll get on to that but uh i totally i agree with you it went kind of under the wire actually how good conte was i thought he was yeah. he was i thought he was good in the first half actually as well yeah no, he was good but it was all very difficult for them in the first well, half. It, it it was. A, bit, a little bit ponderous and it was, was said on match today they they actually did they they played better in the first half burnley they 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 sub, they snuffed us more but at the same time it's still that ponderous aspect the very fact that all it takes for the team is to is for to have the Tuchel waggle his finger at them and say play further up and play more more crisply and they do and they blow the side away shows you that that is the the standard to aspire to you yeah, know definitely. really good. Danny boy um you want to ask a question I was going to ask yeah. you I was going to ask you one anyway but go on yeah just do you think this is part of his tactics so it's almost like quick quick slow quick quick slow because it's almost there's quite a pattern so maybe that's Tuchel says right mm. keep the ball keep the ball now go well, you know, like, but he, he, he dumped it for the first hole of a half. He he, he gets them just um, thinking they're going to win. Controlling the game, isn't it? I mean, I know Bernie had their chances, but it's controlling the game. And then you literally like flick the switch, three goals, 10 minutes, game over. Well, I, I, I mean, I've got a, th- I, I don't, I'm not sure if I entirely agree. And, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But the, I think the three goals, uh, you know, in, in the, what, eight minutes just after the restart, uh, that. I mean, I think I think basically what I'm going to say here is that I think we got a bit lucky, actually. Um, not not with Reese James' goal and not with Havertz's goal. Though those were superb goals. Although you could argue that they could have defended better for both those goals. And of course, the the one in between, the one where Havertz stumbled in, was a bit lucky. And in fact, actually, Pulisic was a bit lucky because you don't often get defenders generously passing you the ball when you're about a yard away from the goal line. So, but hey, why not? Because I think 
you know, we've been very unlucky, actually, for most of the season. I mean, I know we criticise the finishing a lot, and quite rightly so. But sometimes you need one to go in off somebody's arse. You need somebody to stumble one in. And we've been really bereft of that, I think, for all the season. So I thought it was really interesting. They they picked this up on, on, on I think, match of the day. I don't know. I can't remember. That actually, when that first goal went in, Burnley just, A, their heads dropped and their shape completely went to shit. Because they, as JK rightly said, they'd been so completely disciplined in that first half. It was, and it was fascinating. I mean, they had Rob Green on the hooky stream that I was watching. And, uh, or was it on the sky? I, I forget now, but it doesn't matter. But he was mentioning a lot, and he was right, that um, Burnley, in defence, were playing 6-2-2. And they had this kind of box of four in front of a, a row of six defenders, basically. And because they were playing four four two, but the, the 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 wide men were coming straight back, a bit like we do in the three four three. We become five in defence, and it was you couldn't you couldn't break through it, and you could just see how frustrated we were getting. And they were, and then of course they were doing what they always do, which is always threatening on the break. And of course they could have scored two or three goals possibly, and they didn't. So when our first goal went in, they thought, oh for fuck's sake, not again. And you could see it in them. I thought, anyway, well, they were really really their heads went for that moment. They yeah. were all. They all held that in despair. They're all looking at each other. You know. They did. They did exactly that. Um, let's talk about Rhys James because, as we keep saying, there is nothing like Rhys James. Nothing. Nothing in the world. The, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, I promise you all, you will get J.K. to do this at one at, at some stage during the show. Um, the thing is, Danny boy. Um, God, ever we missed him. I think I think it's nine weeks he's been out and. Uh, when he comes back and he and he plays like he did, I mean, you know, again, you know, I don't, I, I think Tuchel pushed him a bit further up in the second half. But what a player we've got on our hands, and how much, how much have we missed him? Oh yeah, wow, uh, him and Chilwell, uh, yeah, that we just we're, we're a different different team, different dimension when they, when them two are not playing, and just to have one of them back is is a massive bonus. But even Tuchel said that. Tuchel said, you know, he, even he, you know, out of sight, out of mind, you, you, you try and adapt, you try and try, try and try and play a different way. And then he comes back in and even he, Tuchel said, uh, you know, you forget how good he is uh, and how amazing he was. And, and JK was right. I think they actually said it before the Liverpool game, uh, the final, Tuchel said he's been so good in training. It doesn't feel like he's been out for months. Naturally so good. He looks like a player on form and he's so tempting to put him in. And that was against Liverpool. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he, he he's, he's he's so complete, isn't he? Oh, he, he? Amazing, you know. You you see a lot of people say that is he the best to ever come out of the academy? Again, we, we, maybe we can answer that in like another four or five years. But yeah, he 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 just makes us look so much better. Takes us to a different level. Yeah, it does, doesn't he? I mean, Dan, um, I I heard a very interesting discussion. Who who I can't remember what what pundit it was on Talksport, but somebody that I didn't expect to be that generous but of course they were having the classic Trent uh, Trent Terence Trent Derby versus Reese James argument and uh I think that they were basically saying um because of course obviously they're both England players and they were saying who would start and I think actually it was really interesting because they were saying that for for assists obviously and his attacking prowess they were giving uh Trent 10 uh 10 out of 10 and they would give Reese James 9 out of 10 but they said they would start Reese James for England over Alexander Arnold because basically his all-round game is better and he's better defensively. And I think I thought that was quite. I mean, actually, for Talksport, that was quite savvy punditry. But question is, Dan. I mean, how 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 good can he be? How good is he? 
You know, are we talking one of the best players in the world in that position? I mean, I know it's a bit early to say, but I think we should start thinking about it like that. His his ceiling is is limitless. It just the way he gave those three Burnley players twisted blood before he scored the goal. So calm on the ball, so collected. You know, turned in, turned back, turned in, turned back, bang. So little back wrist. I think I think the world's his oyster. I think he's physically stronger than Trent. Um, I think he's better defensively than Trent. Listen, Trent's you know, a really good player, but I wouldn't surprise him if Rhys James surpasses him in the next year or so. It's that he hasn't got Rhys got no faults in his game. He's strong. He reads the game well. He's great going forward. He's great defending. He's aggressive. Just I think he's, he's a complete, complete footballer yeah, in terms of you know how, how how the last game just showed how much we missed him. Just that nobody else in that team would have done that little drag back, drag forward, and smash it in. Nobody, not. I mean, know, he no, finished that like a striker, Dan. Oh yeah, yeah, he's finishing. I mean, the goals he got against Newcastle uh, in the season, he absolutely just laced the ball. You, you know, don't say those. Just do not say those. I think he's he's. I think as Dave was saying, I think arguably he will be the best player come out of Cobham he's got you know stay clear of injuries he could easily hit five six hundred games with Chelsea let's get the striker to score and you get the midfield to score then we'd have a decent uh, a decent record of scoring the problem is that he comes in and he immediately scores it makes you think well nobody else has been able to score suddenly he's in there and he's, he scores a cracker what yeah. we, we missed him so much what what you know yeah. you forget how he'd been playing out of his skin earlier on in the season well, I think Tony made the point um, had we not lost Chua and James, we'd be, yeah, we'd be definitely there'd be a three horse race, and Sky yeah, would be creating yeah, yeah. a three horse race. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. agree. Definitely right. Uh, yeah, Dane. I, what what I sat back at with that second half performance against Burnley, and you know people could say Burnley and they they fell apart after the first goal and they're struggling this season. But his level of performance and his level of performances I've seen this year, apart from. You know, take away Thiago Silva and Rudiger, who, who, have, who have performed magnificently. That level of Rhys James' performance, can you name any other player who's hit that level this season or those levels? You know, we talk about attacking aspects. We talk about how we struggle to finish chances. And they all have moments. And Havertz is looking good at the moment. You know, I understand that. And Pulisic feels like he's, he's getting a little bit of form. We're going to talk about Mount maybe struggling later. But the levels that Rhys hits... I don't, apart from Thiago Silva and Rudiger, I don't think other players do or have this season. Yeah, I think, you know, out, from outfield perspective, yes. Um, that's the problem with Chelsea this season, with only two or three players being that level of sort of eight, nines out of ten. It's not a surprise we've struggled. I mean, t- Mendy's generally been brilliant, a couple of like, you know, drops. Probably Kante as well, sorry, yeah, a bit under. Yeah, Kante's always a seven, seven or eight out of ten, pretty much every, although he hasn't been his best recently. You know, Thiago Silva's been imperious all season. Rudiger's been absolutely almost imperious. And we've only got two players out of your starting eleven putting up that level of performance week in, week out. I think Kovacic, Kovacic is... I think, I think also we talk about it, Dan, in talk, I think not just hitting their levels, but actually getting above those levels, really. Yeah. I mean, we don't know what Silva's levels are, but I think he's been absolutely bang on them all season. I agree with you about Rudiger. Um, I think Reese James, when he when he's played, has been like that. He's upped his game. Chilwell again, I think, before he got injured. And I think Kovacic too. But I think that's it. And Mendy. Yeah. Mendy. No, we he, shouldn't forget Mendy. Oh, yeah. I mean, to the outfield players, Mendy's Mendy's Mendy. I mean, he's, he's, he's always going to put in great games. I suppose it's more about the kind of the, the, the forward players. Well, um, I, I, I think the fact that Reese James plays starts playing well influences the rest of the team. You know? yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I really think that that's a positive for having him. And you forget that 
you know, when they won the Champions League, everybody seemed to be on the same level last season. And and it's it, I, I think you get inspired by players, you know, from my meagre playing even Sunday football. You have a really decent player playing on your side. You think, God, you know, what can we do with this guy? And you up your game. And I think if they they haven't had that, they've had Dave, who bless his cotton socks, is a is a wonderful player, but not at this this level, not not at Reese's level. And suddenly they're all looking they're looking better, all of them. Pulisic has been, I know he's been playing better the last two games, but to be suddenly, to be inspired to that, you know, I'm I'm happy with Pulisic Havert and Havertz up there at the moment. I think that's a, a fabulous combination. Well, it's worked really well. I think yeah. really, really nice. Then the only argument, I guess, is who you play on the other side. You've got Pulisic, Havertz, then, you know, maybe Ziyech comes back in or just, you know. Well, I've got some very interesting data for you. Or data. What is it? Data? Data? Data. Data. I yeah. shall tell you all in a minute when we talk about habits. But before we do, I think we ought to give a very honourable mention to Thomas Tuchel here because, uh, uh, again, his, his, I think his tactical analysis is, is excellent. And, and, I mean, obviously, we were, str- we were struggling that first half. We could not break them down for love and the money. And I think that there, were, there was a good reason for that. We were moving the ball around too bloody slowly again. It drives me up the wall, uh, and uh, I wondered if it, I could blame Jorginho for that because it does seem to be symptomatic of his game. But uh, what Tuchel did at halftime, I thought was excellent. He was rather shy about telling everybody about it, which is unlike him. But you know, he did say, "Oh well, you know, we just moved the ball a bit faster, and I got them to do what I was telling them to do before the game." But for me, it was—I mean, obviously, as I said a minute ago, he pushed James higher on the right, which I thought was very shrewd because that that caused them a lot of problems. Um, he basically got the the strikers to move a lot more because they were far too static in the first half and of course the speed of passing increased and of course that always makes a difference but the other thing that I noticed JK that I thought was really interesting because I mean I'm bound to say this because I've been moaning about this for months but he he pulled um, Mount back a little bit more into midfield as more of a kind of a three in midfield I felt and or five if you include the wing backs. But it but, makes sense uh, doesn't it Chidge if he's yeah. got Reese going further up. He doesn't want everybody to be up there because it means there's lack of players in midfield. So yeah, he was then playing that that deeper role, number eight role, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he's a number eight. I don't think he's a number ten. I I, I didn't have a problem with him in the game. I thought he had a fine game. No, I'm I, I'm I'm I, I ask a naughty question, but I haven't told you what my answer is yet. But it uh, might not right. be the one you think. All right. <laughs> but I think I think Dan Tuchel, you know. It's. I mean, we talk about it a lot, don't we, with managers? And I know we'll talk about Tuchel again in, in part two, but uh, he got that spot on. And Burnley, I mean, after, as I said, once they went that goal down, they, their heads dropped and they didn't know how to cope with us. Yeah, absolutely. And then we got the second goal almost straight away and then the third goal straight away. And that's what we haven't done. We haven't killed teams off. In that 10-minute period, we were just superb. Three goals, game over. They're not coming back from that. That's the difference. That's the first time in a long time we've actually put the game to bed in a 10, 15 minute period where normally you're one nil, you're hanging on so many times over Christmas, one nil up, five minutes to go. We haven't killed the game off. There you go, nick a point. Where, where, listen, he's, he's, he's a supreme tactician, Tuchel. Everything about him, which we'll come to later, is just, he's just perfection of this club right now. He really How is. How he he's now, I think, what's he, ridiculous amount of games he's lost in his time. But I think, how many games have he been in charge for? 70 odd? He's lost like, 10 games, got amazing defensive record. Yeah. It, I, I love him. He's just, he's just so sure, he's so smart, so humble. But this is, this is what Chelsea need to do, like City do, like Liverpool do in most games. 
they'll get one, they'll get two, they'll get three, game's killed off, and they can start picking off, picking off, getting more goals. Like, you know, we've got the fourth goal. Afterwards, it's 65 minutes, game was over. Well, that's what we need to be doing week in, week out, ruthless efficiency. And that's what we had, because James pushed a bit further forwards, gave us another dimension. Bernie couldn't deal with it. The movement from Havertz, Pulisic, so on. That's what it's about. That That is how teams win titles, that consistency, that's where we need to be yeah. more frequently. Definitely. More games. I think what would happen if we did, if we had a, a wing back who was the standard of Chilwell playing wing back as opposed to poor old Saul. Poor old Saul. I kept thinking, oh, the poor bloke, look, he's really out of his depth there. You know he did the odd flick here and there, you know. He's slower than Alonso. He is. I felt sorry for him actually, but I, I. But I also. I, I felt sorry for Loftus Cheek coming on and playing after Reese had gone off, playing right wing back. Oh, for well, God's but he, he didn't do badly. But I mean, what what, I, what I'd say about Saul though, you know, fair fair play for do, doing one for the team. There was literally nobody else he could play there, and I, and yeah. I, I mean, you know, that's that's a team player, and I thought fair fair enough. Dane, um, by all means, comment on all of that, but I I I wanted to kind of move it along to. Uh, to Havertz really because okay like most of them he struggled a bit in the first half but I thought he was absolutely excellent in the second half and what you want from a shall we say number nine is to get on the end and, and score goals he scored two I thought his header was brilliant I mean a fantastic cross by Pulisic who I also think was excellent in the second half by the way much more like it but a great a great header good goal good striker's goal and actually, in a funny old way, um, the, 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 his second was a striker's goal because he completely fluffed it, miskicked it, and from one yard out, and he scored. And those are a very important part of a striker's repertoire, I think. So mm. the question to you, Dan, uh, Dane, is I, I think he's our number nine. I have to say, you know, playing him in that, you know, as, as, a, as part of a three is the best way to go. And I think Tuchel's decided that. Do you? Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I like him. I like him as a forward, a false nine. I think that's how he should be viewed now. No attacker midfield, no, no sense midfield, no, no left, no right. I, I feel last season, you know, if you saw the best of us, you know, his movement, how he positions himself, he allows other players to come into the game. You know, I know obviously it was disappointing last Sunday, but if you look at the chances, uh, Pulisic missed, uh, the two chances Mace missed, it's just because Havertz's movement. He takes players away and leaves spaces for the, uh, the left and right to come in uh, and, and, and get chances. Yeah, it's t- I've actually thought Lukaku would start because he, he seemed to, uh, you know, with Lukaku scoring in midweek, I thought, oh, he's going to go with him again. So I got that completely wrong. But yeah, I've always thought with Havertz, if you can get a uh, a guy either side of him, similar to Liverpool, like Amane or Salah, who can bang in 20-odd goals, then, then, then if Havertz gets 15 or 20, it's a bonus. It's just the lack of goals either side. But yeah, I, he's number one for me now. Yeah, definitely. Um, JK. I promised you some data, didn't I? Yeah. Okay. Would you like to know who tops the charts for Chelsea in goals and assists this season in every every competition we've played? Uh, yes, please. Um, it's Romelu Lukaku with eleven goals and no assists. Would oh. you Would you like to know who is second on that? Yes, please. It is Kai Havertz with nine goals and two assists. Oh. Um, I'm not going to include Jorginho in third. Uh, because most of his are penalties, of course. In fact, yeah. actually, it's very funny because this this is I nicked this from the BBC. It's well worth a look, actually. About the only they've got a rubbish uh, kind of information on Chelsea on their football website, but they do have this thing called top scorers, and it's actually full of very juicy information like goals uh, per ninety minutes, minutes per goal, 
total shots, goal conversion, and shot accuracy. And I was, I laughed my cock off at the fact that Jorginho <laughs> uh, has the highest shot accuracy of anybody who scored for Chelsea of 73%, which is hardly surprising considering he takes all the penalties. This is why he statistics... Shot, he had a shot on, on Saturday that wasn't far away, you know. Mate, I'm, I thought yeah. that was goal-bound. I was up in yeah. the air at that moment. I yeah. thought, bloody hell, yeah. i never seen him hit it so hard. No, he perhaps he's been practising. Some yeah. Burnley pillock got his head in the way. Very annoying. Yes. <laughs> no, I thought it didn't hit, um, didn't it hit uh, one of us. No, 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 it hit a Burnley player. Right, yeah. right. Arguably, it was a clearance, but I don't <laughs> think it was, actually. But... Yeah, so there we go. I think it just makes interesting reading. And also, you know, we'll talk about this when we come to Mount. But, I mean, he's uh, fourth. He's got seven goals and eight assists. He's our top assist maker. Reese James has now got six goals with seven assists. But it's just remarkable, isn't it? You know, we bitch and moan about Lukaku. He's got 11 goals. I couldn't... I tell you what, if you, if you said, Chidge, name those 11 goals, I wouldn't know where to start. When did he uh, get 11 goals? Villa, um, Chesterfield... Free against uh, Villa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Norwich. Norwich, yeah. Um, what did you get the Arsenal. other day? Um, Luton. Arsenal at the beginning. Um, yeah. and we, and we, we, Elmo. Um, and the, uh, the club the club championship. Oh, yeah. Two, 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 two in that, yeah. 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 I mean, when you look at it like that, it, it, it does put a slightly different complexion on it. I mean, I know, I know he's been shit, you know, let's not beat around the bush, <laughs> you know, and I know he's not had any service, which is, I think, needs to be said all the time. But actually, you know, we whether we like it or whether I like it or not, there are a lot of statistics in this game. And, and one of the most obvious and righteous statistics, if you are a striker, is how many flaming goals you've scored in the season. And he's top. Just throw a question out there, so apropos of everything that's going on, with Roman less involved, do you think there's less pressure on him to pick Lukaku now? Well, I don't think there was any pressure on him to pick him anyway. You don't think there was some, because no. he's a 100 million pound player? Yeah. Okay, no, just throwing that out there as kind of... No, I, I think that's just idle speculation when people come out with that. I think okay. he decided that after the Liverpool game, when he huddled them all together and said, we're all, we're on the right pages here on the right lines and it was Havertz playing that to me that's the season worked out now in that Havertz is the number nine and he'll bring Lukaku on if he needs to there was a terrible moment poor old Lukaku and Werner came down towards the away fans and uh, and everybody started cheering and then because they enjoy singing the Timo Werner song they just enjoy it you can tell it's got nothing to do with being rude to Lukaku they didn't go rum 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 they just went went Timo 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 and sang just can't get enough whatever they sang you know um yeah. the whole of the song and and I wanted to say Lukaku no it's not it's not when it's nothing against you here and I thought well probably there is a little bit but no they <laughs> just really enjoy singing that song they love it any opportunity they love that song they love the Depeche Mode song and uh, um, and so, you know, it, that went off for several minutes and he's taking all the plaudits. He's holding his hand up, you know, and Lukaku just sort of disappeared into the distance. He thought, I can't deal with this anymore. But um, uh, I think as a as a as a after 70 minutes, if we haven't scored or there's a problem, you bring them both on and they play the two up front and they complement each other. And I think that works. That works for the team. I think the way having Havertz as centre forward as they did at the very end of the season when we won the Champions League with having all the other players, whoever he has, scampering and around and moving and moving it all around is the, is the, uh, the way, it's entirely what he will select for the rest of the season. And I think it worked, it's worked really yeah. well. I mean, yeah. the part Lukaku's 
got a bit better the last couple of games. But I think, you know, we'll... So he, listen, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? It's his lack of movement. It's a specific way of playing. Isn't the way that makes the team play the best for me. I don't see. He's got this, about... I can't remember what player was. He's, he's got a turning circle of a tractor. <laughs> I've got when, a turning I, circle I said, of a bloody said, oil container. I, no, I said it was a. I said it was a. The same. Well, I can't, I can't remember what I said. Bloody hell! Go and um, have a look at the fan by everybody yeah, to remind us what JK was, said. Uh, oh yeah, disability scooter. That's it. <laughs> but uh, Dane, the other thing on this little list I've got, uh, you know, let, let's take Jorginho out of the equation because he gets his. He gets in there because of penalties. But you know, the top four, if you take. Uh, well, actually, uh, they're equal, funnily enough. But in, in order of, uh, you know, goals, certainly, it's Lukaku, Havertz, Mount and Werner. And Mount and Werner are on the same number of goals. So even even Tim offside Werner has, has contributed. You know, maybe, maybe I think sometimes... I mean, I, I, it'll, be, it'll be really interesting, won't it, Dane, to see what the figures are like at the end of the season. There's still, I don't know, what, I'd say maybe around 15, something between 15 and 20 games left in the season, depending on, you know, how we do in the other competitions like the, the FA Cup and the uh, Champions League. You know, there's a, that, that, that's, that's almost half a season in old money. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they could boost those up. You never know. And we are now beginning to play well. Maybe, as the boys have been saying, Tuchel's figured out it out and said, you know what, you know, Havertz is my striker for people who are going to park the bus. Lukaku arguably could be the striker for when you play teams like Liverpool who are going to come out and attack you and leave spaces at the back. Maybe that's what he's figured out. They could all do better, I reckon. Oh, yeah, they could all do better. You know, they they, they seem to all have moments. It's just a shame they don't have them all together. Uh, you know, in the last six weeks, Ziyech was looking out our best player. And I think he didn't play against Liverpool. He was on the bench. I think he picked up an injury or something. And then Werner's had moments and has been a bit unlucky with COVID and injuries when he looks like, well, you know, a little bit more trust. He can go on to another level. Uh, you question, Rom. You've got to question, you know, the people who get paid lots of money to to, to scout players, uh, whether it be live or, or watching videos and thinking what they thought Lukaku could bring to us knowing what Havertz was bringing to us last season, like similar to Werner, maybe they just see, they obviously see signs and they think, well, we can then take them on to to, to another level. Uh, sorry to mention Liverpool again, but like Salah and Mane, you know, they were very good players and Liverpool have taken them on to another level. Obviously, buying Lukaku and, and Werner, we obviously believed we could take them on to another level, even going back as far as Torres. That that signing bamboozled me because he had a player at Gerrard who always looked through him to run in behind, and we just never ever suited him. So it does make you wonder why, why, why we make some some of these signings. But going on that, yeah, Havertz has got Havertz has got a good chance now to really you know show his show his ability, show his intelligence as a forward and and get those goals and assists up, which I believe he will. You know, he's like a complete forward. And as I say, if it, with, with Pulisic hitting form and 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 whether it be Mount Ziyech or I think Callum's sort of gone off the radar a bit, or even Timo. And like you said, there's old Lukaku coming in certain games. So, you know, we're in a really good position at the moment. Yeah. And hopefully we're going to bigger and better things. Well, hopefully. I mean, I think the other telling uh, stat or whatever you want to call it from this is, uh, I mean, OK, Pulisic is coming back into form, which is a delight to see. But Ziyech has got six goals. Poor return for somebody in his position. Pulisic, five. hudson Doy three, which is terrible, I think, for somebody in his position, but then he's not playing a lot. But I think the real telling and damning stat here is Kovacic with two. It's our midfield. Kovacic, two. 
Alonso, two. I mean, you could say Alonso plays in midfield, I suppose. Uh, Kante, two. Uh, Sal, one. I mean, there's no goals. We get no goals from midfield. But then, but you know, Kovacic should never score goals wherever he's been. You know, he gets the world. That's the... But then you've got very deep line midfielders, such as Kovacic, Jorginho, Kante. They're not going to break into the box at a Lampard and pick up the loose chances. That's where you expect your four players. So that's why the returns from Mount, Callum, people like that are pathetic, quite frankly. You know, if, if, you, if your defensive midfielders are going to get five, six goals between them, Callum, Christian Pulisic, Ziyech, they've got to be getting double figures. They're scoring the others, yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. I mean, so listen, they've all, there's been reasons, there's been injuries, there's been poor form, etc., etc. But, you know, your, your forward midfielders, even Mace, which we'll come to later, his goal returns down. You know, Rhys James has probably got more goals. How many has you got now? Six goals this season, Rhys James? Yeah. You know, I don't expect Kovacic to get five to ten goals. I don't expect Jorginho to get goals from open play. Kante doesn't get goals from open play. That's why it's so important. And, and yet, yet, Dan, we, we often play with two out of Jorginho, yeah. Kante and Kovacic. Exactly. Which which then suddenly takes out... Well, your centre-backs probably won't get many goals. That's four players out of the team. The keeper doesn't score. That's five players out of the team who aren't going to get goals. Then suddenly you're relying on the exciting attacking players to score more goals. And who's... We have only had one player reach double figures now, as you said. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Lukaku, the only one. Yeah, that's, that's, that is not, not good enough. You look at the, the teams that we, we should be challenging, you know, Salah, Mane, they're, they're, they're so much better going forward, those players. They've well, got Dan, Dan talk, talk about Liverpool, right? I, I think the best yeah. signing of the season has been Jota for Liverpool. Mm. Oh. He's got, he's got <laughs> him and Mane have got 12 goals. Yeah. And they're, they're second only to Salah, who's got 19 and the whole top scorer's chart. So that and, that answers your question, doesn't it? Exactly. And and they've done so well that Firmino has now almost surplus uh, requirements. He's, he's just left cleaning his teeth all week. Exactly. The, uh, the new chap they just, bought, is so the winger important. is really good as well, That the, the one they bought in January. Oh, Diaz, yeah. 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 He'll really, be a great signing. Really, really That's good. That's the thing, player. you know, Cannon's... He's just been so disappointing. He just doesn't doesn't ever do anything. You know, I, I really hope he succeeds after the injury. Quite frankly, his output has been pathetic. You know, that's no no two ways about it. Pulisic is beginning to show form. I'll put I'll put them as our, our forward players. They need they need to massively massively increase output next year if we're going to challenge. No going to get a mention here. So yeah, yeah, we mentioned him a minute ago. I mean, he's technically equal third with Mount. Yeah, and no, I'm just thinking about that. His status ought to be that he's not. Equal third with Mount, he should be way ahead of Mount. Who's he? Sorry, no, no, he should be scoring Burner. more goals. Burner. I mean, Burner. you know, Timo Werner. I love Timo Werner. I think his attitude, everything about him, was great. You saw what he could do that goal he took against Luton. Yeah, he needs to score more like that. I agree. I think he needs a run of games to score goals. I think. I think Antuchel said he was he was very close to starting against Burnley. He's like a lot of these four players. In the last two years, stop, start, stop, start. Injuries, injuries. They never yeah. get any momentum, and that's the problem. Players like that are confidence players. They need momentum. They need to get a run of games, and they will score goals. He had a, it was fantastic in Germany, and yeah, they showed the ball control of a mollusk. How good he can be. Sorry? He has the ball control of a mollusk. That's a new one. Yeah, no, but I've got the ball control of Stevie Wonder. But, you know, oh, well, you <laughs> yeah, but you're not you're not paid a lot of money to put you're the ball in the back of it. All right. Sitting on a sofa. Okay. Time. Timo Van Sort of player that 
if we let go, it's going to come back and haunt us. I know, I know. And Silver yeah. sitting in a tree. K I S S I. I love you, Timo. Time out or Timo out, if you prefer. Uh, right, um, quick uh, plug for this. You can see that. That's the latest edition of CFC UK. It landed in on my doormat this morning. Thank you, DJ. Always love getting my copy of CFC UK. Uh, and if you want a nice shiny copy of CFC UK, uh, well, obviously, all you need to do really is go to the match. And uh, whether it's home or away, if it's at home, uh, DJ sells them uh, from the CFC UK stall opposite the exit from the Fulham Broadway shopping thing. Um, but uh, you can, if, if you want to get one on an away match, then you just hear the cry. What's the cry? Oh, yeah, I've been uh, saying it, pounds. That's the cry. That's it, definitely. And then you'll know where to get one. Uh, but you can actually subscribe. You can get them in the post uh, if you are prepared to pay £16 for a subscription over a year. Um, and you can also do that if you're abroad, more crucially. Uh, it's 35 quid if you're in Europe, 45 quid if you are anywhere else in the world. And all you have to do is send your uh, details to fanzine at cfcuk.net. Um, and uh, you can pay all that by PayPal, which is rather decent. You can opt for a cheaper option, which is to get it as a PDF, which looks lovely, by the way. I've seen them. They really do come out well. Uh, and that will only cost you £6 for a season. And again, it's the same email address. Fanzine at cfcuk.net. Right, we'll be back in a minute, and we're going to talk uh, more about the Burnley match. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have. Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jij? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. 
Welcome back. This is Stanford Chidge, and this, of course, is the Chelsea Fancast, and uh, I am with Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Hello. Uh, the lovely Dan Silver. Good evening, all. And the completely brilliant Dane Whittle, who, if, if you know, he manages the entire Instagram empire of the Chelsea Fancast. How's it, how's it looking, Dane? Yeah, we uh, we need to uh, help help Diana because she, obviously she, she messaged a few times regarding Facebook and a lot of people on Facebook are not on Twitter and Instagram. So when JK releases his videos on Instagram, we need to then link it to the Chelsea fan it's cast. Easily done. On, it, it, yeah, no, I saw Facebook. that. I saw that. It's easily done. Yeah. Because JK, hang on, Sorry. hang on. JK sends me uh, the video files. Sometimes he forgets, and then he sends me all of them, which is kind of quite cute. But he sends me the video files, which I then put up on our YouTube channel, which I can very easily link to Facebook. Yeah, we I can do it via Instagram as well, but I remember asking you, you I didn't know if you didn't remember the password or something. I can give you the password, but I can only oh, give that's you... that's fine, yeah. Or when JK puts it up, yeah, I can then send it straight to Facebook. Chelsea it can only go to our Chelsea Fancast page, though. All right. Yes, I think that's what she wanted. Yeah. Lovely, Dan. You you wanted to say something? No, I was going to say about easy to link it up. So yeah, yeah. Be... All right. Yeah. So there you go, Diane. We'll we'll sort you out. You don't worry about that. Right. Um, lots on the agenda for this part, but we're going to kick off with Tuchel. Um, I cannot imagine really. Well, I can actually. I can think of plenty that might be worse. But let's be honest. It's been a very very difficult week if you're the manager of Chelsea Football Club. Not least because you're getting asked... Well, actually, there you go. So I suppose it is quite unique, really. But you're getting asked stupid questions about the politics and what's going on in Russia, Putin, you name it. All of which is because, of course, Roman Abramovich is Russian and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We all know why it is. And, of course, he's an easy and obvious target. But it's 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 too cool that's having to field all of this, not Bruce Buck or Marina Granovskaya. And I think he's handling it absolutely brilliantly. He's also handling the football absolutely brilliantly. Chelsea are up in their game. I mean, we were superb against Liverpool and there's no way we deserve to lose that match. We were superb, I think, in the second half against Burnley. We were shit as anything in the first half against Luton. But I'll tell you what, we had balls of steel to get through it, which is what it's all about, and we did that. And this is all against this backdrop of what's going on in the world and also specifically with Chelsea Football Club, it's being sold. I mean, God knows what he feels about about the club being sold, really. I mean, if I was Tuchel, I would feel pretty fucked off. You know, it was all going absolutely brilliantly, and then suddenly he knows that everything is going to change. Now, I would, I would, if I was, I'd been in that situation actually at work when the the company was sold and a new owner came in. It's horrible, and all through this, he's he's charming, intelligent, diplomatic, and absolutely gets it right every time. And I think J.K. Uh, the fight, the cherry on the uh, on the you know the the icing of the cake was the way he condemned the moronic chanting of uh, Roman Abramovich during the one minute of applause and appreciation for all the people, all the Ukrainian people who are dying in their hundreds at the moment, thanks to the Russian Putin's brutality. But he absolutely came out crystal clear and nailed it, I think. He nailed it by by, uh, the BBC and Match Today in particular were, were, in fact, every media outlet were looking for... um, a response from him, which they were hoping that they could then find contentious and they would take umbrage from uh, if he defended it or whatever. And he didn't. He rightly s- suggested that it was uh, uh, not the right thing to be doing at that specific time. As a, a member of the crowd there, I, 
I, I would love to say that everybody is politically orientated and deliberately did it to make a, a particular point about Roman Abramovich um, and the club and that there shouldn't be sanctions against him. But the reality, of course, is that most of the people who sang his name um, saw the Ukrainian flag, saw everybody um, uh, clapping for, for the whole incident and just um, as a kind of, I felt, not even moronic, just a response to the moment. Fuck you, response. No, I no, I no? don't think it was anything like that at all, okay. Chidge. I don't think it was. I think it was just, you know, he's Russian and he's our he's and, and we're we're he's our uh, owner. And then they weren't going. There was nothing defiant about it. It was just that's what you do in this occasion is you sing Roman Abramovich. I didn't think it had any. I don't think any of them have have a, a brain cell in their body that is making a political response to anything like this. It's just, he's the, he's the guy who runs the, the club. He's, and, and you do that in this moment. I don't think they're making any, there's no defiance or anything about it. It was just that they saw people clapping. I think it would have been better actually if they had a minute silence for the whole thing, because then you know not to chant and you know that the people are being idiots. But I felt they were almost just, Hey, we're clapping about Russia. We're clapping about. Yeah, it wasn't about Russia. It was no, about no, 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 no. Wait, no, no, no. We're clapping about the Ukrainian-Russian situation, and Roman Abramovich is our hero. So let's clap because he's part of this as well. We're clapping. He's for He's on him. the wrong were... fucking side. Oh, I know, but they weren't. I, I don't think this goes into their heads. They were. They're not. They're not brainy enough, Chidge, to make a. They're all making a political comment at they're this not. particular moment. They're not, I just don't get, I don't think so. They, they still, some bloke goes, Roman Abramovich, and the rest of them go, they're all out of their heads on drugs, most of them, and they're pissed. It's not a, they're right. not standing there going, uh, oh, yes, right, I must, I must go anti this. I be, must be anti this. Uh, do you know what? Do you know what? They've just been singing something else yeah, yeah. two do, seconds before. Do you know what? You know? I, I tell you one thing I would agree with, actually. I mean, if I had been at Burnley, um, I would have had no idea that they were going to have a minute's applause for Ukraine Indeed. and what it's for. Indeed. So I'd have wandered into that stadium and, and not known that. And I, and I I mean, I know I'm not trying to make excuses, but uh, I can understand that because quite often I've been to football matches when something like that's been laid on and you have absolutely no idea what it is or what it's about. But I think, I think the issue that I have with it is, you know, what it does. I mean, we've, we've all been through an absolute shitstorm. It's been horrible this week. I mean, I don't. I mean, look. I'll, I'll put it out here right now. I don't give a flying fuck what anybody in the media, anybody in the House of Commons, thinks about me as a Chelsea supporter because I'm not interested and I don't care, right? But as a club as a whole, we've been kicked shitless all week because of this situation. So the one thing that we shouldn't have done on Saturday was to hand the BBC, all the media, and everybody else another stick to beat us on. But kids, they're, they're not thinking about this. One no. guy, they've been thinking about something else. One guy starts singing it, and they they listen to him, and yeah. they sing No, it. I, I get it. It's it's Pavlovian, yeah. isn't it, of football? Yeah, I mean, I, I know, I get it. I know you don't agree with me, Dane, but I don't think they're making a political, a political no, statement. 100% not making a political statement. Half the police filming it. Oh, it's going to be really funny if we sing this. Let's do this. Mm. It's all for clout on social media. Utter, utter stupidity. It just, just. Yeah, but even I think for some of them, for some of them, I don't think Dan, they've even got that. I just think that people are going. We love Roman Abramovich. Oh yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll clap along and sing for him. They're not yeah. thinking. Fuck, this is in the middle of the middle of the uh, um, the, the the minutes minutes applause for Ukraine. There's a little flag at the, at the end there at the end of the stadium there's not you know they're not huge arches with the ukrainian flag no. they're clapping for them and they agree but there some bloke starts it off 
the others don't go, shh, we mustn't sing about him. Shh. They're just going, oh, yeah, he's our, he, he's our owner. Yeah, and he's in difficult times. Yeah, yeah, let's clap for him. Yeah. They're not thinking. It's, 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 you know, it's I, I'd love to say that it was, it was deeper than that. But, it, you know, it's, it's I don't think it is. Cool. It's just utter disrespectful, pathetic yeah, behaviour. Ultimately, yes, absolutely. Agree completely. But I, it's not, it's not, it's it's not, not malicious. orchestrated is what I'm saying. It's, it's, not, not, it's not malicious is what you're saying. It, it wasn't supposed to be malicious. No, it's just, okay. just about... Dane, Dane disagrees. Dane's got his I disagree you've got, Listen, you've got 90 minutes to sing about Roman Abramovich for one minute. Dane's nose is twitching. You need to respect it. Look look at that. Okay, every time something bad happened to Chelsea, Matthew Harding, um, Osgord, we played Spurs at home. And both those times, the Spurs fans were impeccably behaved. Yeah. Jim Greaves, when we played him this year, okay, yes, he's got more of a connection to Chelsea. Immaculate. I know it's very different. I'm not comparing deaths to wars, but you show respect, whatever the situation is. That one minute of 90 minutes of charging, you fucking shut your mouth, you shut up and you show some respect. Then you see about Roman once the game starts. I'm fucking fuming about it. Really, really, no excuses. I don't care about your age, your background, anything like that. It's fucking disrespectful. You imagine the outcry if it was... Chelsea related, the Burnley fans started booing. Okay, something. but you're a dis- dis- you're discerning and haven't had ten pints and stuffed a lot of stuff up your nose. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is what how do you know? Up. How do you know? Dan normally turns up like this on a Monday. Them. I'm on the train yeah. going up with them, and they're all they're all to congregate. You sing it, and all you just think this, you know, and they're all going up up to the ground singing, "This is a shithole," and they're all going up. Well, they're not wrong about that. No, no, but but, but <laughs> that's true but, enough. You know, Dane, 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 speak, please. I can't bear the twitching of the nose, please. Well, first of all, you know, don't get me started on the more high ground bollocks being taken, being shown by Match of the Day, Sky, BT, whether it's Alan Shearer, Gary Lineker or Mika Bloody Richards, all the media, in fact, you know, at the time, like Dan, you know, I'm never going to I'm never going to be in a position to try and tell how, how how to support a team or how to be. But sometimes, you know, you just get a, an uncomfortable feeling and, you know, and this is simply about you as an individual and the actions you decide to take, you know, you need to show some responsibility and, and know how to conduct yourself. As we heard, you know, JK's putting, putting a good point across of why you, you sometimes then go, you just follow someone like a sheep and start singing. But it was, it, it was really bad taste. You know, Dan's got a good point. You know, you've got one to 90 minutes to sing his name you know, show some responsibility, you know. I'm so glad that Tuchel, you know, our much-loved, amazing manager came out and condemned them because then I think I think that will put an, an end to it. I think he's well-respected by our supporters and everyone in the game, and I think now it will be hushed out like, like some, you know, the word obviously what was used many times with Tottenham over the years, that's now hushed out, and I think this will be... You know, I don't mind being hated on football, sporting terms, but come on, let's not give them a rope to hang us with. And uh, yeah, I think that was on Saturday, unfortunately. I agree with that, but I'd, I'd, I'd be honest with you, and I'm not trying to get splinters up my arse here, but I, I, you know, I've been going to football a long time. I do get what you're saying, JK. You know, it's, it's. I can see, I can see your your point of view very happily. Well, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I was watching it on on a dodgy stream here, so I, you know, it's hard to comment when you're not actually there, and I do accept that, but. When I watched it live, I visibly cringed when I heard it. But, you know, we're not all the same, you know, and I get that. Um, I absolutely, completely endorse uh, Chelsea supporters singing Roman Abramovich's name from, as Dan was saying, from one minute to 90. Because, 
I think we need to be defiant about that, actually, because I think we're getting a kicking and it's unfair. But I just felt it was really bad form to and disrespectful to do it in that one minute. Um, I just think, very quickly, one of the things that I really think is that Tuchel did brilliantly is the team was performed it. Performed it? Performed it, I like. I like that. New words. The team did has performed it superbly. The team team has performed superbly when it would have suited the, um, uh, the scenario, the agenda, if the team had imploded and we'd lost everything. Oh, yeah. They're, de- really they're desperate for it. Everything. They're desperate for it. They're they're desperate for it. Us absolutely fall over and they could have given a further kicking. And the fact that we've actually played even better has just been, uh, it must be so annoying. Well, we, so and we've got to keep on doing that. I mean, you know, I, I can't remember. I think I wrote it in, oh, yeah, I, I've written a piece on, on Roman and all of that. Uh, in football. London, but uh, and I wrote it. I sent it on Friday, but it hasn't hasn't. It's coming out tomorrow morning at seven because it's been with the lawyers all weekend. Uh, but uh, I mentioned that point there that you know, that, as we were saying on Friday, actually, J.K. That that Roman Abramovich has been a major disruptor in the English game because he yes. broke the hegemony of Ma- Manchester United and Arsenal. But yes. more than that, he's kicked. He's kicked the shit out of the established order. And the established order in English football is Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, Everton. They were always the big the big five clubs. Uh, if you remember, even before the Premier League was mooted and why the Premier League came into being was because those five were going to break away. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So what we did, we came in and we broke that all up. And I'll tell you one thing. I've been, you know, on this planet a long time and I know how the British establishment works. They fucking look after their own and they don't like being messed with. And I said, those clubs have been waiting for this opportunity for 19 and a half years to basically boot Roman into touch and us with it. And they are loving it. They are loving every yeah. minute of it. And they're not wasting any opportunity to put the boot in, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Simon Jordan and his dar show on TalkSport oh. today. Oh, what a repugnant dickhead. He's a man who, you know, burned his dollars with Crystal Palace. Roman's the worst thing happening to football. Roman's not the worst thing happening to football. Roman buying Glenn Johnson, Joel Cole, stopped West Ham going into receivership. Roman's, on the whole, has been brilliant for British football. But it doesn't suit people's agendas. You know, we've always been whipping boys. Whatever the situation, we hate Chelsea's always... I remember a very old podcast with Rick Lanville we did back in Pimlico. Chelsea always had a bad press, going back to like, you know, the you know, Raquel Welsh coming down to Stamford Bridge. I don't want to be loved. I want I love no. being hated. I absolutely love it. I don't want to be, oh, everyone's favourite second team. No. People want to tie to us because it's Liverpool. No, we fucking don't. No. Don't this care. Is I don't give a flying fuck about. You know what? The, be- the best one I've seen about that on Twitter recently, which is actually because I've been reading all of these barbs. Whenever somebody important puts a tweet out, and you get all the muppets from Spurs and Arsenal on there, like you know, shit uh, flies around shit basically. And one of them, I quite like this one. I thought this was hilarious. So I think we should get some uh, some stickers done with this, Dan. We'll get the stickers boys on this. Yeah. Chelsea are basically Millwall with better trainers. <laughs> which i liked i like that a lot yeah uh, anyway I mean, I, i've been i mean just just i've been having a well myself and tony glover there's a i've got a, a, a tottenham friend who you know always when spurs is a bit of banter about it and he's got a massive diatribe about chelsea this and i said listen mate it's just banter spurs are a banter club i don't feel the need to eviscerate tottenham every time i put something up you know you know blah 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 it's just it's just it's, there's so much jealousy from all the other clubs because we have done how many trophies in Roman zero? We go back to 21, 21 if you include the uh, community shields. Yeah, but we're not Arsenal, so we don't. Go back to, <laughs> going back to 97, Chelsea are winning trophies. Yeah. 
There's so much revisionist bullshit surrounding Chelsea. Uh, somebody <laughs> wrote. Uh, somebody wrote um, uh, an American writing about uh, uh, Chelsea, the, uh, an American economist, saying Chelsea were a struggling club until Abramovich appeared, and uh, and and gave them all the fortune to make them uh, uh, win all these trophies. And you just the 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 lack of the misinformation that goes. I mean, on. Actually, I think this is. A, he's got a. Listen, we were, we were up shit creek. Had, well, we're not coming. We've not got champions. Oh, indeed, we were, but it wasn't. It was very like clickbait kind of stories because you know. Well, if you think about it, Dan, I mean, we were up shit creek in two thousand and three yeah. because we would have been bankrupt. But the year before, we were in the FA Cup final. Yeah, and year before two thousand, you know, one beat Villa. Yeah, um, FA Cup, Atlantic Seven Cup, Winners Cup, League Cup. Listen, we won. Well, we Chelsea were sowing seeds in the mid-90s, well before yeah, Roman exactly. came on board. All right, let's move this all on. Dane, mm? should we be worried about Mason Mount? <sighs> uh, <laughs> one, he's out of position. We, we can all agree that. We're, we're, he looked so much better in that second half when he, he dropped back to a number eight role because Reese pushed up more exactly what you said, Chidge. He was looked more comfortable. I don't see him as a left or a right forward. He, he tends to go quite wide as well, which puts pressure on him to uh, try and cross the ball. He's in that team because because of his all round game. You know, positioning tactically. You know how he screens areas, defending how he pressures, how he uh, presses teams. But his assists and uh, goals are pretty poor, and. It's a shame because we we know he can finish. We can see he's a comfortable finisher uh, and he can also has an eye for a good pass. I think being so far up the field, like I said, doesn't help him. And I think apart from having a really good second half, I think he was lucky to start against Burnley. I think he he, he does look a touch, a, a touch off form. And I was even surprised when he started the previous week in, in, in the final against uh Liverpool, uh, you know, he obviously has his uh, critics, which is he, he's always had via social media. You know, take that what you want because Twitter is shit on that handle and, and people seem to want to go after him with, with, with a big knife. But I can see why he, he, he gets picked like he gets picked for England. But certain times this season, he has been lucky to be picked, but I'm still a great believer in him. I still think he's going to be a fantastic player. I don't think... The wing backs uh, suits his game, but also Tuchel said recently, about six weeks ago, he said Mason has missed Chilwell and James on the pitch and off the pitch, and uh, and he just it, like you said when reached that second half, he, everyone else stepped up amazingly, and Mason was one of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought his performance actually in the second half was brilliant. I mean, he, the way he was winning the ball back. I mean, he was actually involved in about three of those goals, but a bit earlier on than the, the final phase. Uh, mm. before we scored but it was him that was winning the ball back it was him that was controlling the ball it was him that was playing people in and I mean I I, I, I totally agree with everything you said there Dane I mean his all-round game is absolutely fundamental to Chelsea uh, yes his goals and his assists have come uh, not as good as they were last season but actually even statistically he's still high up compared to everybody else mm. in the team JK I would describe it as uh, Mounts having his difficult second album period Oh, yeah, sweet. Wait, I'm just have a quick cough, Jidge. Just had a quick cough. Um, uh, yeah, but I, I still think he's great cement in the, in the side. I think he, he just never stops running. And um, um, 
and he tries a lot of things that um, you know which is part of of, of Tuchel's philosophy is trying to be brave, try and be brave. He plays the odd pass. You think that didn't quite work, but he's there. But yeah, he's definitely been, he definitely plays better with, um, with Chilwell because he plays him and Pulisic actually play really lovely, lovely little three, those three passes they play a lot of, which worked so well last, last season. And um, yeah, his, his shooting as, as we saw in the league cup final, unfortunately has become uh, a, a bit laughable. But uh, I, the, the amount of running, the amount of pressing, the amount of shutting down, the amount of how important he is in that business of getting the ball back, that business of preventing the opposition from starting a move. You know, when three of them all go for the player with the ball and push them out almost down by the touchline, so they're forced to play the ball back, he's absolutely integral to that. And I think he just needs to get back to the, uh, the, the creative play. And it may be, as you've said, it may be that Chilwell... Is is it may work better now with uh, with Reese, and it may be that when Chilwell plays, um, they'll be back to normal because I, I, that that he has great skill and great ability, and I, I'm uh, it's just not working for him at the moment. But I think it will it'll keep going. I just think he's 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 absolutely essential for the side for me. Two, two things I noticed with with Reese being out. Mount, when he was obviously playing on on the right side, uh, just behind the forward, he would go more wider. I don't know if that was more pressure because he's got obviously attacking ability to try and cross the ball. He 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 wasn't as wide. Uh, no, he normally when, plays when Reece... with the, if the wing if the wing back is there, he plays a little bit inside him. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, and and yeah. the other thing you, that people that I, I noticed uh, earlier on when Reese and Chill at the top of their game, they've got license to come inside and literally take up a centre midfield role. It's like a little uh, a tactical tweak that yeah, Chill does a lot. Absolutely. Both of them. Yeah. James, yeah. Uh, James takes it in turn. Then you'll see Chilwell just like standing in the centre midfield area, whether he's protecting Jorginho or what. And that obviously then helps Mason. So he's not just got them far right or far left. He's got them actually in the middle with him. And you're right, they play some great triangle passes together. There's great movement between all three of them. Uh, and yeah, he is lucky to, to have played in recent games, but still he's, he's an amazing talent. Mm -hmm. And Tuchel believes massively in him, doesn't he? Dan? I, I don't think you've got to look at what Mace does in training because Tuchel always says playing for Chelsea is not a gift, it's something you earn. You know, and I, th I, th I think judging Mason by his goals and his assists is, is a bit FIFA like. You know, it's not just goals and assists. I, I don't think his stats are too bad this season. No, they're not, they're not. But just say to me, he hasn't, you know, I just think you look at his overall contribution to the team and he's in there for a reason. He's yeah. in there because his contribution to the team is fantastic, you know. Maybe he needs to cut his hair somebody. You know? <laughs> He's got big hair now. The hair There's nothing wrong with big hair, Dan. I can't comment on that one. To no. Be fair. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, but Matt, Matt's the team based on what he does in training, what he does in the match yeah. by match basis. You know, he, he does more good. He does more good than bad. I think he's, he's he's really important. He's he's the one with the desire, the hunger. You know, he'll he'll snap into tackles. I think he's you know. I, I listen. I think that one of the idiot. Fan accounts with three hundred thousand followers put some stupid tweet oh, out. fucking a, min, yeah. CFC mod or whatever his name is. I said, yeah, I'd rather trust Thomas Tuchel's one three trophies in twelve months than we charge us four pounds for content. Quite. I mean, I, I'll tell you what. I, I'm going to still hold by my difficult second album analogy because um, the thing, the thing with difficult second albums, and I know that J.K. will will agree with me here, but I mean, it doesn't matter what bands you tend to name. I mean, I, I know J.K. is a big Beatles fan and. Stones fan and things, and I mean, I, I love the Clash, and the Clash release give them enough rope, and everybody was like, mm, "This isn't very good." It sounds really American when it came out, and yet now you look back on it, you know, thirty, forty, 
50 years later and it's like oh it's a brilliant album you know and you can i can name you loads of bands like that whose second album at the time was a bit well i'm not really sure about this but you know with a reflective view many years later it's it, they're seen as classics and i think it's no and i mean i think the point about that really is that quite often bands will come along with a debut album that knocks the shit out of everything else and it's absolutely fantastic and it's really hard to recreate that in the second album and actually that's the point of mason mount his season was absolutely stratospheric last year and it actually came on the back of the one with Lampard the year before. So maybe this is his difficult third album. But anyway, let's not digress. But it's hard when you when you, you make an impact like he did in those first two seasons. You know, it's really hard to sustain that. So I'm not surprised we're seeing a dip in form. And yet, even with that dip in form, I still think we're seeing, number one, we're seeing it statistically because I don't think they're as bad as people are saying. And secondly, everything he does that doesn't, go, you know, flies under the radar a bit, which is what you've all been talking about. So Forza Mounty. Um, Chich, I'm sorry I didn't uh, go with your... Uh, uh, well, we've now established that it's actually the difficult third album, not the difficult second yeah, album. Yeah, it hey. could be the difficult fourth if you take the fact that he played very well for Derby. Yeah, you could. But you could say that was his indie the, period. In the Derby, he was a different band. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'd say it's indie, and, and he then left. Them. Not that he went solo, he joined another group. You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. Band, good, so point, sorry, good point, good point. So, but, but I think um, what used to happen, of course, is you'd have enough all the songs for the first album you'd written and and farted about with over the years and it was then when you were a hit you were then forced to to uh, create another album so it's not as if he had to recreate his skills perhaps it was that he just had to play in a different side and play a different way so um that's possibly where the uh where it slightly falls apart but it must have been a success because he was then allowed to be have the third album but the third album didn't quite work however people frequently have the fourth album which <laughs> becomes um, um, absolutely the classic one and people say the first and the fourth are the best yeah so uh, it's yeah. true so, it's very it's true, true. It's his true, 60th so. album is going to be amazing <laughs> oh <laughs> wow oh brilliant I mean we've. I think actually it's quite it's quite talking of a, a, analogies and stuff because I think we're building up quite a head of steam here as well tonight which is great fun I'm loving the energy on the show tonight but uh, I think actually again under the radar Chelsea are building up a head of steam at the moment if I tell you that the uh, we've only lost uh, one game since uh, the fourth of December, and that was to City one nil, um, which I think was a uh, it was uh, away. I'm not I'm not uh, yeah, yeah that was away to City. It was away yeah. I'm not included. I'm going all Mourinho on the Caribou Cup final last weekend quite rightly, um, but we've lost, we've actually I mean perhaps a better barometer is of course as we know what the real split in the season was. Everything up to Juventus and then everything afterwards. Well, if you go on that metric, we've lost two games since then. One was the West Ham game. Sorry, the uh, yeah, the West Ham game. Well, let's face it, we were fucking robbed with a last-minute goal. And the City game. Um, okay, I know the big flaw was the innumerable amount of draws that we've had, which has kind of scuppered us somewhat. But... Um, I think you could also look at that saying, given what we went through then, it was quite remarkable that Tuchel navigated us through and still, you know, kept a fairly good unbeaten run going, if you like. And I think if you look back in the last few weeks, taking the Liverpool match out of the equation, of course, we've we've won on the trot. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight matches on the trot now. So that's uh, started off with a win against Tottenham. Um I think we are building up a bit of a head of steam, and I, I like it. Obviously, I like it. I like it when Chelsea win. But I'm liking it for another reason, because we've got a very interesting uh, a couple of months coming up, really. I mean, we've got the next matches we've got are Norwich away, Newcastle at home, 
then we've got the Champions League and the Cup against Middlesbrough. Then we've got Brentford at home, Southampton away, Leeds away. I mean, basically, um, in all the matches we've got left, we've only got three what I would call tough matches against top four rivals. Home against West Ham on the 23rd of April. St George's Day, I believe, isn't it? Uh, Man United away on the 15th of May. And somewhere along the line, Chelsea at home to Arsenal is going to come in there. I don't quite know when they're rescheduling that for. But we've got five matches against relegation-threatened sides in the rest of the season where I think we can pick up a ton of points, JK. Well, we'd pick up 15 points, Jim. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yes, five times three. I know my maths. Um, Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, but the number of times we've said that, that particularly I have said that in the past, when I've said, yeah, all these teams will beat them and we'll have 24 points, won't we? Eight games, 24 points. And then we've, we've... Uh, caught a crab, caught a cold, whatever it is, we've lost to somebody we shouldn't have lost to. Um, uh, but no, I, I, I think I think the way they're beginning to play, they should take all these teams to the cleaners, yeah. And they should take Arsenal to the cleaners, and they should take United to the cleaners. And in fact, I think they should, you know, once again, they'll beat everybody for the rest of the season. No, but I think, I think they'll do very well. I, I think we have to con- seriously consider they'll have a very decent challenge for the Champions League this season. I really, you know, I think he and he right. he he, right. he manifested that himself. He, he after the Liverpool game by saying we're on the right lines here. Yes, it's getting better and better, and they're all coming back into it. I think the one area of 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 disappointment would be who he plays on the left, uh, ultimately, because we because Chilwell won't be there, and and it, it, Alonso has that ability to up his game because he played fantastically in the League Cup final. And you then thought... superb, yeah. Yeah. Against against the team and and players that we expected him to get rinsed by as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So we've got, got, most important is we've got some breathing space between us and fifth place, which is not acceptable, but it's it's good to have that bit of breathing space. We're playing Man U and Arsenal, who are both rivals for that kind of fourth spot. We're six points clear fifth with two games... It's a bit. It's a bit. It's a bit more complicated than that because Arsenal have got a couple of games in hand. And, one of which is Liverpool. Uh, yeah, and United have got one. But uh, like you're saying, I'm not really. United have played two more games than us. So, sorry, it's Spurs yeah. and Arsenal that have got games in hand. Yeah. But I'm really not that worried. And as you said, we play Arsenal, so we can sort that and, one out. And Spurs play Arsenal as well. Yeah. So I think we'll be fine for third. I, I'm not. I've no concerns about that. And if we could get a couple of wins over our next couple of games, beat Norwich, which we should do. Get us out against Newcastle. Takes it, you know, going to Lille, win that game. You know, listen, who knows? It could be a repeat of Porto. I mean, it would be, it would just be so poetic if we were to win the Champions League back to back just before Roman sells the club, because that would fuck. Imagine the boiling of piss that. Oh yeah, it would fuck every, it would fuck everybody off, and it would delight me. Oh, Uh, I love it, Dane. Um, I, I think it's. I think I agree with Dan. Actually, I think I think we're good, good for third, quite happily, providing we don't play like idiots. Um, I think the hardest match we've got actually in the run-in, there is only one that's the hardest match, and that's that's against West Ham at home. Actually, I thought you know they played very well against Liverpool the other day, and they're I think they're a good side. But other than that, I think you know we we should be in really really good shape. In fact, I'm I'm now looking at it in a different way, not not really who's behind us, but I'm thinking well we're 16 points behind Man City in first. And last season, when we finished fourth, we were 19 points behind them. And I would very much like that gap to come under 10 points, I think. Yeah, I do. do you, see, we, you say we've got United. Ugh, we seem to struggle with them in recent years. That's the annoying thing. 
And we, I, I believe our levels are so much better than theirs. That, that's the annoying thing. But you're right, you know, I, I think Arsenal struggle against the big teams. I think, I think we should be looking to win that. Uh, we have played against them well in recent times, even though we lost last year to them. I thought we actually performed quite well in that game. Havertz should have scored early on. But I think we are in a good position. I think I think Tuchel has, has, has found, you know, players who, who he's obviously going to favour now. The running looks very favourable. Uh, and sometimes I like to, to see how we perform. We, we've we struggled with City this year, but the Darlings Liverpool, three times we performed really well against them, not getting any credit. Obviously, we we obviously we don't care about that. We give ourselves the credit we deserve when, when we deserve it. And I think we're in a really good, really good position. You know, players are, are, will have to fight to get into this team now. And, you know, whether we're talking about Lukaku or, or Werner or Ziyech, who, who I said I thought had a really good six weeks and and then unlucky got injured. You know, they're looking at, uh, you know, Havertz and Pulisic and, and Reese coming back and uh, thinking, well, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to get in this team because, you know, they're some form players. And and like like JK said, I was so impressed with Alonso last Saturday. You know, I'm not his... I'm not his biggest fan and I don't see a future with him. He's happy to stay as, as, as Chilwell's backup. Fine. But he was brilliant. And if he comes back as well, he hasn't got that pressure because Reese is there as well. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's really good, exciting times. Starting on Thursday with Norwich. Well, let's hope so. Yeah. I mean, the only, I think the only thing that can scupper us, and I mean, this is a bit tin foil hat, obviously, but when you look at the decision that was made against us uh, in the, in the Caribou cup final, uh, you do wonder what the whether it's you know a literal concerted campaign and bias by the establishment to make sure we don't win anything or whether it's unconscious bias because of what's going on but i do wonder if decisions might not go our way for the rest of the season and i include europe in that where actually previously mm. we've done all right but the sad thing is though we cut liverpool open few times in that game and yeah. should have been where you could talk about pulisic but yeah. mount twice Havertz. so if it was a more of a tight game, then yeah, I I would tend to agree with you. But I also yeah, sometimes with, with decisions that freaking know against us, it's and in the finals recently that we've lost. I know there's a stat going around, you know, especially with the domestic cup finals at the moment. But you know, you can re, you can really point at certain parts in those games where we were let down by the officials on. Uh, that decision on Sunday, yeah, we were, but we 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 had three, four open chances to score. But uh, yeah, you're right; it is it's a freaking worry. It is a worry, but there you go. Um, right, something that's uh, very important, which I need to remind you all about now, is the fact that the uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust is holding their big Stamford Bridge sleep out on March the 26th. Uh, that means that uh, I mean, I think you you have to kind of you have got to be over 18 for a start, and you've got to pledge to raise at least 50 quid in sponsorship uh, all, all of the money is going to the Stoll Foundation who are our next door neighbours and look after homeless veterans they do a brilliant job doing that and it's a very worthwhile charity but it basically means you can go and sleep presumably under the uh, East Stand isn't it Dan I think um, for a night yeah yeah. Um, yeah exactly and have yeah basically get a nice cold you know bacon bites and coffee in the morning that's right and uh, wonderful cause Mark Mean is doing a great job organising all this and uh, he's promising a few Chelsea ex-players to be there as well um but you don't it, it, you know obviously not everybody can get to Stamford Bridge me included actually as it happens uh, some of us can do it virtually as well uh so you can go and sleep in your garage or your shed or whatever um and I'm going to be doing that and uh, there'll be a little bit of entertainment me and JK are doing our things JK's going to do some 
retrospective fan bites and i'm going to be reading some more tales of the shed uh but uh, do i mean either sign up you can do i mean if you live somewhere else in the world you can do it virtually if you live somewhere else in england you can do it virtually sign up to join in uh if you can actually get to Stamford bridge yourself then sign up and do it there if you can't actually do it then you know back everybody uh not you don't have to back everybody but back people who are uh if you want to back me um just go to my just giving uh page which i can tell you what that is it is uh justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash david hyphen chidgy couldn't be easier and uh and while you're at it uh, i i basically encourage you all to join the chelsea supporters trust right now <clears throat> i would tell you now and we're going to talk about this in part four i think chelsea and us as supporters are facing the biggest existential threat that we've faced arguably since 2003 although we didn't really know it at the time certainly since I don't know, 82, 83, Dan? You this know? is probably in arguably ever. Yeah, I, way, I'd, way, I'd argue way, ever. Way beyond um, 2003, way beyond Bates taking by the club for a pound. This, this is... Maybe, maybe that period when Bates was still fighting the property developers, maybe... With Marlon Bullstrode, yeah. yeah. That was like I, late I, late 80s, yeah. early 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, I think this this, this is, in, in modern Chelsea history, this is the most seminal moment. Yeah. That we faced, and it, it is just so important to join the trust now. Whether you pay five pounds as a voting member or just join as a non-voting member, just please, please, please register. These times ahead are so crucial, so important to maintain Chelsea Football Club. You know, for, for me, you know, winning trophies doesn't define my support. I support the club. I want to make sure it's a Chelsea Football Club here for five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years for all future generations. So please, please, please. Join, join the Supporters Trust. We are here to help. We've got lots of plans in place. We've got lots of you know stuff we want to achieve. The more votes we get, the more people we get on board, the better it's going to be. So come on, if you love Chelsea, join the Trust. Big, the biggest, the, I mean, the, the key issue really is that the more people that we have as members, the more clout we have with the current yeah. current ownership, but also anybody who's trying to come in. That means I'll yeah. have to listen to what we have to say. And I applaud you, Dan, there for the best Bob Geldof moment since Bob Geldof at Live Aid. That was brilliant. <laughs> you did stop short of saying, give us your fucking money. But uh, anyway, yeah. that was good, good work, Dan. I love it. If you want to go and join the trust, it's easy. Just go to ChelseaSportsTrust.com and it'll all be there uh, clearly for you. Now, we're going to have a quick break. And when we come back, it's time for some fannies. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, and I'm, of course, uh, Stamford Chidge, and uh, I've got with me Jonathan Kidd. Yes. Uh, Dan Silver. Hello. And, uh, of course, Dane Whittle. Evening. So there we go. Now it's time for a bit of frivolity, perhaps. Uh, on a, oh, it's been been a fun show so far. I've really enjoyed it. Anyway, um, I I've been too busy to put these up on Twitter, but uh, there you go. I mean, these have come from our Discord group, the Fannies, as always. And the first one, of course, is this one. Chelsea fancast, man of the match. That's right, the man of the match. Uh, I reckon we could have probably had about five players in here. Uh, and I will admit to having a sop here to uh, to Mr. Stick on uh, Discord. 
but we I've gone for Havertz, James or Pulisic. JK. Uh, Conte. Well, exactly. I know he could have been in there. Um, I'll, I'll go for James. James. Uh, Dan, James, Havertz or Pulisic? Reese. Yeah. No Dane. Yeah, it's a great shout. You know, good Havertz. Love him as a forward. Pulisic, great bit of form. But James is, uh, yeah, it's... It's it's beyond man crush time for me at the moment with him. Indeed, it is. I will make that a full house and go Reese James as well. I mean, as as I said earlier on, uh, I thought actually Pulisic had a really good game and he was very involved in a lot of those goals. And I mean, it, as you were saying, Dane, actually, it, it, I hope he's beginning to slowly get back to the kind of form that we saw him in in that remarkable season under Frank when I thought he was arguably our best player. But there you go. Right, uh, no salary moment this week. There was clearly not, uh, neither anything proper Chelsea enough or funny enough for people to uh, put down their uh, choices. Some on the Discord group uh, erroneously put down Guinness moments, thinking they were salary moments. I'll be speaking to you after school about that one and issuing you detention and lines. Uh, right, uh, so the next one, of course, is this one. Oh. Oh. It's oh. that Guinness moment yep we'll have a bit of a guinness moment and the the choices are i mean of course jk will come in with at least five that i didn't think of but uh, the first one is jk james's drag back the second is pulisic's cross to havertz when he headed in the goal because it's a great cross and the last one is a personal favorite of mine silver's goal line clearance and me and donal in discord we're trying to work out how many goal line clearances he's made this season but there's about four or five i think so uh, there you go james's drag back pulisic is crossed to have it silver's goal line clearance jk um can i also say that uh um silver did about six headers in a row um round about that period as well he just seemed to be magnetic head seemed to be the only person heading the ball from every corner and every uh um uh, set piece that they had and he was once again, uh, the first half, the second half, he didn't need to be. First half, absolutely fantastic. And yeah, his, uh, his I, I, I can't stop saying what a completely brilliant player this man is. Wow. Um, yeah, his goal line clearance was great. Um, James's drag back was f- fantastic beyond belief. I loved it. And um, Pulisic's cross was inch perfect and curling and um, uh, a beautiful switch they suddenly started getting it all together and it was such a lovely moment to see it ending up in the net um, with, with such a pinpoint cross. But for me, um, James's drag back would have to be it. I thought that was the, the, the going right, going left, going right again and then smashing it in. I know it's a goal and we shouldn't really be talking about it. No, no, that. no, it's the shimmy. It's the shimmy, it is. It was the shimmy first that did it and that's what we're talking about really rather than the drag back. It was the right-hand shimmy. Had me going, oh, immediately, immediately before... Before the goal ball went in, the, the ball was the icing. The goal was the icing on the cake, actually. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, Dan, the drag back. I love a bit of techers. <laughs> Lovely, Dane. Well, with James, it was individual, and because I hold him in such high regard, I expect that from him, and I've seen it from him regularly. But I'll go with Pulisic because we need him to show form. It was great movement by Havertz. It was a, a couple of one twos with with, with Reese, and it was a great cross on his left foot, and we need that from him. Yeah. So I'll go with Pulisic. But it's it's interesting talking about Silver as well. He's up there with Ashley Cole, isn't he, with the uh, goal line. So I'd love to know. I'd love to know their records in their careers. If if Silver did this in with previous clubs as well. 
Uh, I said exactly that to Donal. Actually, I said he, he's he's got to be up there with Ashley Cole. But uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna go for silver just because I can because I know that the uh, Reese James is going to win it thanks to Dan and 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 JK. But just to add a little bit of variety because I just love Tiago Silver. In fact, talking of CFC UK as I was, um, I my uh, well Tim Rolls particularly will be be. Uh, very pleased to know that I haven't actually opened my copy of CFC UK yet and therefore haven't had the opportunity opportunity to, uh, you know, uh, read my article first, as Tim uh, alleges that that's what I always do. Uh, and actually, funny enough, I've got to mine first now. I've opened it up, but it is actually uh, entitled Silver and Gold. There you go, which I think is quite a good way to describe Tiago Silver. Now, um, there you go. We've got, got a couple of Discord questions. First one is from Jason X. Uh, brother of Malcolm X. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, he says, I was going to email you to discuss whether we as fans should be pushing for the golden share approach from the fan-led review. But I note that the uh, Supporters Trust have today put out an excellent statement to that effect. Please, would you discuss these ideas on the show? And uh, we have Dan Silver, who is the <laughs> media spokesman for the Chelsea Supporters Trust with us tonight. How fortunate we are so I can go and have a break. No, I'm joking with the loss. <laughs> We're waiting. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just getting my nose. Yeah. <laughs> so, so basically, Tracy, the Tracy Crouch fan-led review includes a golden share just to protect the, the heritage of Chelsea. And that's one of the things that we are trying to um, protect and try to install when we meet the new owners. I'm just trying to find the... Um, yeah, maybe one second. So, yeah. So, basically, what the Trust want to do moving forward is... Um, to make sure the outstanding balance of the load the Chelsea pitch owners is forgiven, so Stanford Bridge is secured. The relevant relevant recommendations from the Chelsea, from the oh, Tracy Crouch, I can't talk to the Chelsea Tracy Crouch's um, kind of final review are um, implemented. The golden share in terms of protecting key heritage, talking to supporters about a democratically elected shadow board, and continued support for women's team. Um, the current owners to meet with the CST at the earliest opportunity to engage in a regular constructive dialogue with supporters on issues including fair ticketing, um, prospective owners to continue the Chelsea Foundation's community work and to make sure there's no more fucking Super League stuff going on. Those are the key issues we want to make with the new owners. Yeah, as that, 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 was, that was my rather limited contribution to the debate because I was a bit busy, but I said, you've got to put the bloody ESL in there. Uh, and I'm very delighted that that's what the media picked up on, Dan, but that's because I've got a big fat ego, so there you go. I mean, yeah. the, the golden share thing is really interesting, actually, isn't it? Because it's quite a complicated thing, but it was definitely put forward by Tracy Crouch in the fan-led uh, governance review. Yeah. But it basically, what it te- technically what it does is it aims to give uh, an organisation like, for example, the Supporters Trust or perhaps even the CPO um, a golden share, and that means it get they, they, they get a veto over the club when the club decides they want to, for example, make us play in red as our kits or change the name to uh, Chelsea Dodgers, for example, or to move uh, the stadium somewhere like Millwall or, you know, basically anything that that is considered to be uh, part of the historical and historical legacy of the club in terms of the supporters and also the local community. So it's it's a bit like kind of a, a more tangible thing than the the making a club a 
um, a community asset, which is another way of protecting its heritage. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like you look at like what happened with Vincent Town at Cardiff when he changed the sheets from blue yeah. to red and put in red seats in the stadium. And what, it just makes sure that everything is so relevant to Chelsea, the kit, the name, everything about us, that just stays, that is there for, for, from here forever. Can't be Not changed. Far, yeah. yeah, from our generation to the next generation to the next generation. So that in 100 years' time, Chelsea's still playing in blue still have all the, the badge, everything that's so important, so kind of iconic to the Chelsea brand, that will stay as it is. is that, 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 sorry, associate, I've missed the idea. It's just associated with the, the pitch owners. Well, no, well the Golden Chelsea, Chelsea Crouch fan their reviews that supporters have a veto for anything that fundamentally changes. Now how would that be? How would well, that that's, be? that's a very, that's an, I'll answer it if I can, JK. It's a very interesting point because we're trying to work that out with the CPO at the moment because, of course, it, and funnily enough, actually, Tracy Crouch's idea... I think emanated a lot from what we have got with CPO, where effectively the CPO protects the stadium being moved and it also protects the name name. because we own the name Chelsea FC. So a lot of Tracy Crouch's ideas about the golden share came from the the deal that we have with the CPO. So there's a bit of conjecture at the moment. And we're we're working together with them, obviously. Um, But, you know, the thing is the the share has to be, the golden share has to be given to an organisation. As I said, it could be the Supporters Trust. It could be... um, the CPO, it has no tangible value. You can't sell it or exchange it. It's just there. It's a bit like uh, playing your get out of jail free card in Monopoly or your Joker in Je Sans Frontier. What is it? What's that wonderful program? Je Sans Frontier. Je Sans Frontier with Eddie Waring. Fundamental thing is, it just it just protects Chelsea's heritage yeah. from a Vincent Town like character who wants to completely change the whole. You know, backdrop of Chelsea. So, for example, if a new owner said, "I want Chelsea to play in you know red and green stripes," we would have no. That's not happening. But, not but how one. do you set that up? How do you, how do you? Well, that's part of the, 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 whole, the governance. This whole point is it, 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 it's, it's a veto that a, a supporter, whoever, whatever background, they can say, you know, no, this isn't happening. The point it's, is, it's, the point is, the real point though is, is that if an owner comes in, I mean, this is kind of getting into part four territory, really. But if an owner comes in who views themselves as they should do, as merely a custodian of the club, that they will be there for a short time in the grand scheme of things, then they shouldn't have a problem about allowing a golden share and the right of veto over important heritage-related matters at all, should they? And if they say, no, we don't want to have the golden share, then it should really make you realise that they are not perhaps all that they claim to be. So there you go. Um There'll be more on this. There's going to be a lot on this coming forward. The Trust have really got their act together and are going, going on all fronts about a lot of these things. Another one we've got here is from Kenroy. He says, I feel like Rudy has played almost every game this season and deserves our Player of the Year, Dane. I can't uh, decide between him and Tiago Silva at the moment, followed closely by Covered and Mendy. But yeah, Rudy's been outstanding. He's hit, he's hit world-class levels ever since Tuchel's come in. And if he played for Liverpool, Sky Sports News would be doing a piece on him every week saying how amazing he was. Yeah, that's a good it's... point. Yeah, I, I think he's well worth a shout. I mean, I, I'm personally going to go for Silver because I just think he's been imperious all season. But uh, I think Rudiger's a good shout. Well done, Kenroy. Lovely to hear from you, mate. I hope you're well in St. Lucia. Can I just say that I, I never really care about Player of the Year. You can. <laughs> Do you feel yeah. better? Thank you. And, and you have. Thank you. <laughs> Guess what we got next, JK? Player of the year. No, no? emails. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Matt Scott. Yes. 
I know the evening all know this might be a bit late, likely won't get read out in tomorrow night's show. Okay, then on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> he meant Friday or no, he meant last Monday, actually, I think. I did it. Okay, well, I'll read it out then anyway. I'm going to send it anyway. I'm going to read it out anyway, Matt. Bit of a different subject as the topic of tonight will probably be about the League Cup final defeat, understandably. I want to talk about Tiago fucking Silva. Whoa, Tiago Silva. I literally can't get over how good this guy is. Yes, he's a top, top player. Yes, that in his short time has to be up there with the best centre-halves our club has ever had. No, 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 Matt. The best. His awareness of what's going on around him is impeccable. At 37, you obviously expect his experience to play a part. He's on another level to any other centre-back in the Premier League. Of course, Rudiger is a top-draw top draw, drop, drop, draw player, but he isn't going to be doing what Thiago Silva is doing at 37 at the top level. People in the game are quick to jump on Ronaldo coming back to the Premier League at 37. How great he is, but one can argue Thiago making more of an impact for us than Cristiano is at United. Oh, yeah, of course he is. It's not even a debate. His general footballing ability is an absolute pleasure to watch. I only wish he'd have come to Chelsea 10 years ago. One of my favourite players currently at the club, one of the players that when you see his name in the starting lineup, you know exactly what you're going to get. Leadership and a faultless performance from an elite footballer who was generally great uh, f grateful for the opportunity our football, football club has given to him when PSG didn't. Let's enjoy this time with the skies, one of a kind, one we won't likely see ever again. Much love and up the fucking shelves. Matt Scott. Yes, Matt. Absolutely agree. Completely and utterly. Uh, a phenomenal, brilliant player. And um, yes, you know that he's going to uh, play marvellously every game, which he does. He is absolutely remarkable. Love him to pieces. Yeah. Dane? Yeah, I'd just like to say it's a great email, but Matt Scott's a good guy. You know, he's one of our biggest fans on Instagram, interactive in quite a lot. He's got a gorgeous family and, uh, yeah, enjoyed reading that email. Knowledge, Dane. If only I was on Instagram enough, I would too have known that, wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. Goodness gracious me, slipping again, Chidge. Right, next one's from Gabrielle Ewan, uh, who is on our Discord group. And, of course, if you were on our Discord group, Dane, you would know that. Oh, yeah, I would, yeah. yeah. Anyway, You're like Dean. I'm Dean worse. keep on having a go at me for not going on their Discord I'm group. worse, mate, than Dean. Dean Dean's, I've got years on Dean, so you know, he's got a lot of catching up to do to be worse than me. Uh, right, dear Chidge, JK, and esteemed members of the fan cast, where do I begin? Um, Wednesday's uh, win at Kenilworth Road did, did, uh, did not feel victorious. A statement that perhaps should be released after the match had been circulating in my mind for the entire day. Well, I, don't, I think it only came out an hour before the, the game, actually, Gabriel. But anyway, even at this moment, I don't think I've found the words yet. My heart is heavy and my mind is empty. Why, I keep asking, have things come to this? Roman Abramovich took over Chelsea when I was 12. 19 years later, he was forced to leave. In these 19 years, many things changed. Chelsea became one of the biggest and most successful clubs in the world. Uh, our academy has risen to the top. Our women's team has risen to the top. Our men's team not only feast in domestic success, but also crowned champions of Europe twice. And just recently, we became the champions of the world. However, things turned south. Evil appeared from nowhere. Disgraceful, inhumane, sickening dictatorship threatens the life of many. Caught in the line of fire, we came to the end of an era. Though all of, through all of these, uh, one thing remains constant. Roman's love for Chelsea. You can take Roman out of the blue, but you can never take the blue out of Roman. He, uh, he was never welcomed in the first place by many. Since day one, as an owner, he was subjected to rebuke and condemnation by opposing fans and the English media, all because his parents are Russian and he was a small businessman. 
The abuse never ceased, but so uh, so as our lo- so has our love for him as Chelsea fans. Roman treated Chelsea like it was his own son, harsh at times, but always loving. Well, Tony used to call him an abusive father, didn't he? Is that a kind of interesting way to put it? Uh, himself in every level of the club's operation he rebuilt the academy from ground up and turned it into Europe's finest he attended academy games alongside scouts of elite clubs across Europe his investment in the women's game completely changed the scenes and uh, raised the bar of the competition in the FA Women's Super League Kings Meadows reputation is now widespread across Europe the men's team stormed the league in the first year of the takeover and we never looked back since Stamford Bridge terrorises a plenty while Wembley almost feels like a second home 19 years, 21 trophies, Roman has won it all. Not only has he built a winning culture here, Roman has established a compassionate culture for the club uh, and the community around us. As uh, reserved as he is as a person, he was never shy of being at the forefront of charity events. Under his guidance, Chelsea is leading the way of all clubs in England, fighting anti-Semitism, racial and sexual discrimination. During this pandemic, his generosity was clearly demonstrated as he provided accommodation and hot meals for NHS staff and opened SW6 for vaccination. Is it possible to find an owner this passionate about football? Is it possible to find someone that cares this much about Chelsea to a level where he would completely forego the debt he was owed by the club? I've spent 30 minutes thinking about that question as I write this letter. I'm still thinking about it. Roman has redefined the word ownership and I genuinely don't know if there's anyone who could reach his level of care, passion and love for this club. I can only hope that Roman will pick whoever he thinks best. After all, I trust that he'll always put Chelsea first. Today is a day I never saw coming. I wish it was all just a bad dream. Roman, if you somehow are listening to this, thank you. Thank you. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have reached where we are today and no words can describe how grateful I am to have you in the lives of us Chelsea fans. This has been the best 19 years of the club history and I will never, ever forget what you've done for us. Champions of Europe and champions of the fucking world. Fuck Putin, come on Ukraine and up the Chelsea. Love, Gabriel Ewan. What a passionate, passionate, passionate letter, JK. Ah. I think he sort of summed up what a lot of us think. I, I, I find it quite difficult, though, to... Uh, uh, I'm being sent a lot of information and letters um, uh, and articles about um, Roman's relationship with Putin and with um, Yeltsin. And um, uh, it, it makes you query where the money came from. And uh, um, uh, it's almost something that I didn't want to have to... To consider, considering he has been such a completely brilliant owner, and everything that um, Gabriel has said is absolutely correct with yeah. the the brilliance that it's created, and yet we might just have to come to the conclusion that the uh, initially the money is very dodgy, uh, but in the same way we should be allegedly. Uh, I very quickly say, knowing how alleged- litigious Roman is, and, and, and Roman, I know you listen yeah. every week. He didn't mean it like I know, that. I, I said could be. I didn't actually say might it would be would it is i said could be dodgy allegedly yes but um uh it's absolutely no doubt that he's he's absolutely completely changed the the uh the club for for in in terms of for every fan watching this has been a completely phenomenal period i mean it's so hard isn't it and i mean i said this weeks ago uh dane that you know for us it's impossible to be objective i mean i think i mentioned in my article for football london uh it's coming out at seven tomorrow quick plug quick plug um but uh you know i said that i maybe i should have checked my moral compass in 2003 but i didn't 
you know, and I think that sums us all up, really. We, we, we can't, it's hard to be objective when this bloke has done so much for the club and brought us so much joy in winning these trophies. It's really hard, isn't it? Maybe, yes. we, maybe we should just compartmentalise it. I don't know. It's just been a wonderful ride. You know, I've been getting a little bit of abuse from 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 rival supporters. And, you know, I've just gone with that. Well, it's been a great run. You know, we, we, we've had a wonderful time. We've seen things that we never thought we would see. Uh, you know, when I first started going years ago, you know, getting to a quarterfinals or the semifinals was was a massive bonus for us, you know. And, and if we played a team we thought we could beat and maybe get to a League Cup final, I remember losing to Sunderland away, you know, 2-1. It was horrible. And... Uh, Obviously, in the FA Cup, losing to May United 4-0 after beating them twice in that season. So, you know, it's it's the belief and it's the dreams that kill you. But he he's he, he's given us something which was amazing, which I'll always be thankful for. Uh, I haven't... I'm, I'm struggling to digest it. I haven't... I'm probably struggling to accept it. I always was a bit of a dreamer and, and wished his son... Arkady, if, if I pronounced that wrong, sorry, would eventually take over. He always seemed like the... Uh, he, may well the Abram- he may well do in the future. You never know. Yeah, the, Abra- the Abramovich sibling who who showed most interest. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's you know, you've seen what's gone on at other clubs. Obviously, City fell on their feet. Uh, but we obviously fell on our feet, you know, 19 years ago. And yeah it's it, it's sad and it's interesting to hear what you know what jk said because obviously he's respected and he's not he hasn't got an agenda uh so it's interesting to see what you know the thoughts and and things that have been sent to him but it, it won't take away from from, from what we've what we've all seen and witnessed which will you know stay with us until our last breath yeah it's gonna it's a complicated issue isn't it one thing i would say actually is probably something us old gits don't 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 think about too much because you know we we were I think it's possibly easy. I mean, I think when, 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 when you know, in the in the final analysis, you know, if it does all go tits up when Roman goes and we get relegated into the second division, I, I think you, you know, us lot will be okay because that's where we, you know, we've been there before. You know, we we understood that football was cyclical before Roman came in and, and stopped football being cyclical. So we and we we will we'll go. Oh well, we had twenty great years, and you can't take that away. I actually feel really sorry for people who are, are Gabriel's age, who were like you know ten, eleven, twelve, whatever, when Roman came in, and have basically grown up with this, uh, you know, behemoth that is Chelsea, a you know trophy-winning behemoth. I feel really sorry for them because they might now have a future where that doesn't happen every year, and it's going to be really hard for them to to get their heads around, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, I thought I think you know. Certain generations grew up, you know, 55, 70, so, you know, 50 years without any trophies. You know, for, for, for me, speaking just for me, trophies don't define my support, Chelsea. They're the cherry on the cake. You know, the last, last well, 97, so the last, since 97, has been just an absolute incredible ride of trophies and success. And if we go 15 years without a trophy, then that's, that's it. There's only four trophies to win a season with no divine right to win it. I would be very happy if I'd never see us win another trophy because I've seen us win it all. It's not about the trophies, yeah. it's about the club. Yeah. It's about seeing you guys in the pub before the match. As yeah. Chidge very often says, it's you know a great day out ruined by 90 minutes of football. <laughs> if, we don't, if we don't win a trophy for 20 years... I've got a, I've got a lovely. I'm sorry to butt in, uh, Dan. Uh, I've got a lovely uh, post from Greg uh, Gregory Gardner. He says, Chidge, now we have the chance to stick around when we are shit. Yeah, and I think well, maybe that's the maybe that's the right answer. J.K. Can I can I just um, 
um, give a counter view of this, which is, um, I think will be bought by uh, a really competent owner who will um, feed us the necessary funds and maintain the level of competence that we've had. And I think we'll, uh, we'll carry on doing uh, as well as we have been. I have great faith in their ability to find an owner who will, uh, who will keep us at the top of our game. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, we're getting into part four territory. So, Dan, hold that thought yeah. to part four. I know, just related to JK's email, that all the, the people who, who know Roman have said that he wants to make sure that Chelsea will have something to carry on from his legacy. He doesn't want to give us anybody that might have any political situations in the future, such as maybe, you know, the, 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 the potentially the Chinese or the kind of Saudi backgrounds. Yeah, well, we'll see. Anyway, can we uh, get on with the next email from Philip Kenley, JK? Well done, Gabriel. Yeah, well done. Really passionate. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Philip Kenley, hi all. Just listening to last night's podcast, your discussion around the sale price of three billion. One point I haven't heard anyone anywhere make is as follows. If Roman is writing off his debt and he's giving all the proceeds away to the new charitable foundation that is being created, maybe he doesn't care so much about the price he gets. Clearly, he cares about the football club and his legacy. So maybe the most important consideration from a buyer would be how they plan to run the club going forwards. So just maybe the highest bidder is not necessarily the winner. Just a thought, scary times, best wishes, Philip. True. I think we did We did um, scoot into this subject, though, didn't we? It's an too? excellent point by Philip, though. You're terrific. Yeah. terrific. I, th I think he may be right as well, actually. Uh Right, Jeff Jones, uh, on a similar theme. Who would have thought that they would all be writing in about what's happening right now? Good evening, fancasters. I found myself going through the five stages of grief this last week. No way Roman... Sorry, one. No way Roman is selling. He'll weather the storm. Two. Roman is being treated unfairly. It's the fault of a few xenophobic Labour MPs. Three. Maybe Roman won't actually sell. The bids won't be high enough and he'll change his mind. That can definitely happen, right? Four. Chelsea will never be the same. Our success was because Roman poured his wealth into the club. We'll never reach those heights again. Five. I'm lucky to have supported Chelsea during a period of unprecedented success. I should be thankful for that. Uh, that Jeff, that sounds basically like your average Chelsea fan cast after we've you know beat uh, beaten somebody in one week in, in the week and then lost against somebody in the same week. It's a catharsis, mate, uh, and I get your point. He says after listening to Tuchel's press conference on Friday, I've entered the sixth stage. Short-term optimism. Tuchel will rally the team and will win the Champions League again this year. We'll do it for Roman. <laughs> what great minds think alike, Jeff. Brilliantly put. Uh, love the show, as always. Ownership might change, but the fan cast has and will remain a bedrock of my Chelsea fandom. Jeff Jones, Atlanta, Georgia. Jeff, well, right. brilliant email. I love that. And the, uh, the honour of the last email, JK, goes to you. Jeff Tarrant. It's been a few years since I last sent you an email, but here goes. Uh, we know there are major changes due to go ahead with our club, but the games go on and points and trophies still need to be won. I've watched our team for many years. Like other quality teams, nearly every technique in every position on the pitch has improved vastly. The one technique I notice has gone backwards, it winds me up no end, is our complete inability to take a throw-in. Even a throw-in at the opposition corner flag ends up directed at the nearest teammate. In all probability, we'll end up getting passed back several times and end up with our goalie. That's if we even retain possession. I think that's a bit uh, harsh. What happened to the days when those throw-ins were aimed towards the goal mouth, causing panic among defenders? 
Yes, it's a, a delap throw from Stoke. Whatever happened to the long throw? Indeed, Ian Hutchinson. Those of us oldens remember the days of, oh, Ian Hutchinson, who could easily reach the far post. Could we ever forget the 1970 Cup final when Ian's long throw was unsuccessfully defended by Charlton under pressure by Moscow and the ball dropped to Webby, who bundled it home at the back post to make it 2-1. I think actually the... The uh, Webby just happened to uh, follow it in. It didn't mostly drop to him. I think he just was muscled it in. I suppose same thing. So my gripe is how come our players are supposedly fitter and stronger, but can't take a decent throw in? Um, it's a good point because um, Brentford, it's one of Brentford's main um, ways of scoring a goal is the, uh, um, the, 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 the centre-half lobs the ball up. He doesn't even particularly throw it a long way just lobs it to the edge of the penalty area and somebody heads on it's a very Wimbledon way of playing because they can then get a second ball which is headed down and it, it becomes a kind of you know who will it fall to it goes it's 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 uh, it's, it's pinball time um, uh, I think there should be um, a throwing coach to help them do this I agree completely what are the other thing that that hap is happening is people who do throw the ball in frequently either invade the pitch with their foot, which is a foul throw, or they leave their leg up in the air. And the linesman, once again, is so obsessed with running down to see whether there's a possible offside, he misses it completely. It's almost as if the fourth official should be looking at that. Like a no ball in cricket, there should be somebody else looking for that because it has become absolutely constant. So I agree with everything you're saying, Jeff, about... There should be long throws as part of the armory because they're not like corners. They hang around in the air, very difficult to get away. Um, and always second ball is always a problem if it gets headed down. Uh, and um, they need to be paying much more attention to uh, uh, to foul throws. Yeah. Brilliantly put. Go I'm going to say, Fritz Bottom, it says, um, from Jeff Tarrant, the fan cast number one fan. I missed that bit off. You did. You did. I was going to fill in for Sorry. you if you didn't Sorry, see Jeff. it. Uh, yeah. Jeff, brilliant email. I love that, actually. And I think, JK, what a fantastic answer you gave. Well done, my friend. Uh, right. Um, we're going to move on to part four in a minute, and we'll see you in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Football Fancast. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am Stanford Chidge, and of course, I am with Jonathan Kidd and uh, Dan Silver and uh, the lovely Dane Whittle. Now, we've been uh, looking forward to, well, I don't think we've been looking forward to this, actually. I don't think I've been looking forward to this, but I've kind of phrased this the Roman Empire decline and fall, or fall and rise not just because I'm clever and I like to do things like that occasionally because, of course, you know, there was a Decline and Fall was very famous work in literature and, of course, we had The Fall and Rise of Reginald Perrin, which is one of my favourite uh, television series of all time. Um, and it kind of made me think that that's where we are now. Uh, you know, the Roman Empire is going to finish. There is no doubt about that. Um, I don't think that there's been a decline before this particular Roman Empire fell. Uh but also, um, I don't necessarily think, as JK does, that um, that actually a new owner might come in and it might all go tits up. It might actually carry on being as successful as it has been. Because let's face it, you know, Roman's put in enough work to create a legacy there and a really sound uh, foundation. So it ain't it ain't written in history yet. 
But I thought it was something we should really, really talk about uh, in, in more specific detail than we were able to on Friday, JK. Um, so I'm going to kick it off with really, you know, what kind of owners do we want, not want? Um, as you were saying, Dan, we don't want anybody associated with a, um, a particular um, uh, political agenda. <clears throat> so I would then be not having single countries attempting to uh, to purchase the club. Um, we don't want somebody who. Um, uh, well, I think the dilemma is we're going to we're going to get people offering um, to, to to buy the club who want to make money out of it, and I think that is something that's going to be difficult for them to get their heads around. That um, he, he he invested so much money in it, not making a profit. Um, having said that, though, the price of the of the club rose because of the success. So in a sense, he was making money out of it, but. Um, um, he never it never occurred to him that he would be selling the club and then uh, giving the debt away as he uh, uh, if that was going to be paid off. Um, so that just shows what a, uh, ultimately what a, a, a wonderful um, philanthropic uh, owner he's been. But um, um, I, I, if the model works and it's a, not that it's a glazer model, but if it's a model where they get shares and they make they cream stuff off the top. Um, I mean, people are talking on Twitter, of, do not have an American owner. And I can't quite see, are all American owners um, not the people we want? Do they all do this with all their um, all their uh, uh, um, American football football league set up? Do they do that with the, um, what, what's the what's the American football name? The HMH thing? Yeah, yeah, do they do it with that? Is that the way they do it? Are they all making money out of that? They all shares? Are they all massive? Is it all leveraged? Is that what happens? I mean, I, I um, uh, you, you, you hopefully get somebody who's interested in football. We get somebody, we get somebody who's a football lover, um, uh, who isn't somebody who knows nothing about it, who's just going to um, uh, have no idea who the, well, you hope they would put, because, well, if they're, if they're investing that amount of money in, you really hope that they know what it is to, to run an enormous organization like that and they will put great people in charge i.e will they keep the same people will they keep check will they keep marina will they keep buck it's an un it's an unlikely possibility because they'll they'll they're new brooms and they'll make changes but um uh ultimately we've got all these options and you can be sure that they're running the slide rule through them all so indeed um dane what do you reckon old bean what 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 do we what kind of an owner do we want what kind of an owner don't we want we want someone who obviously you know seems to be foster of the team the fans who, who understands our culture you know what we like you know it's it's not that hard to to, to look back and and see how things have been done uh yeah i, I i've seen people recently on 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 Twitter, like worrying about obviously sustainability. You know how we how we're going to survive. I don't know if it was someone to, someone quote the Athletic earlier. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm sorry if I'm wrong, but saying that, but behind the scenes, people are saying the party's over. You know, we we, we won't have uh, someone in charge who, who's willing to throw money left, right, and centre. But you got to remember for for a few years, for quite a few years, Roman was the only sort of team you could really, you know, was really doing it strict. You know, we was making a hell of a lot of money off those thirty million pound buys. You know, like Hazard and like like Matter and was it me Morato or anyone else? Diego Costa. We got such good prices for these players, and we 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 was doing really well. 
it is a hard one because we've, you know, JK mentioned, I don't know if sorry, if, if you mentioned May United or the, the Glaziers, but, you know, we've seen how they've been run uh, since since they took over. And obviously people debate whether it's good or bad. A lot more people say it's bad, especially the, the, the loyal United supporters. And it's a worry. It gets the brain ticking over. Uh, and it's, it's, it's interesting, but, you know, one of the emails as well, <laughs> when he said, <laughs> you know, is there any chance Roman can stay, please? And there's so many different avenues of that. Obviously, I don't expect to happen, but yeah, it's, it's, it's scary. And as I said earlier, I'm, I'm struggling to di- digest it or accept it. And when it does happen, it, you know, no doubt we'll, we'll have all these different views and different skeletons and, and it will be interesting read. But, you know, we just hope to, we get lucky with these next owners because there's a lot of owners out there who, who, who like JK said, would be in it for the money or trying to make money. But hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, you know, we get lucky. Yeah. Dan, what about you, mate? Um, well, so we definitely don't want a Glazer scenario. Whether you know they literally want to make profits, the stadium's gone to rack and ruin. They've invested a billion quid. They're still way, way off the pace. Um, this is all, all the speculation that Roman wants to make sure whoever takes over Chelsea is going to continue in, a, in the same vein. If you look at the last six, seven, eight years, we've generally made a profit on transfers. Um, don't want anybody that's going to cause us an issue politically. You know. In the next few years, albeit that you know the Saudis managed to get the Newcastle take takeover, despite the fact their human rights record is is, is abysmal, um, it's an unknown quantity. Um, so if somebody's going to, you need somebody's got three, four, five billion pounds hanging around because you know if the value of the club is between one and a half and two and a half billion, potential stadium as well is another billion. So it's, it's got to be a seriously wealthy person, and they know full well they're not going to make any money on this at all it's not it's not a money-making exercise when you've got to invest that amount of money you know regardless of the tv deals regardless of you know revenue and so on and so forth this is not going to be a a money-making um scenario at all i think just it's it's such an unknown quantity it's just it's, it, we're going to get another roman probably not if we get a roman light i'd be happy mm. It is, it is tricky, isn't it? I agree with all of you, actually. You've all made some excellent points. But uh, I don't want, um, you know, like the Glazers, like you said, I don't want, you know, Cronkier, that kind of a person. I don't want a, a kind of... And I know this. I don't mean to be rude about the Americans here because I've got a lot of American listeners for, for one reason. But, you know, <laughs> duh. But um, I know that there's a... I said... I, I talked about this on that Premier Chels pod yesterday, actually. I had a long, long chat with them about this, but... I do think there's a very different culture of sport in America than there is here. And, you know, we are, uh, you know, our football clubs are born out of the community. They're not in America. I mean, that's why, you know, the whole, I, I use the LA Dodgers as a, as, a, as a good example of that. They started out in Brooklyn and they ended up in LA because somebody buys them and they decide they want them to play there. So I think there's a very different mentality and it's very much more about franchises. It's much more commercial and business oriented and therefore that means profit and i think there's also the element of cross subsidization which you got with uh Cronkier, certainly um you know using arsenal's money to subsidize his, his american football team so we definitely don't want anybody like that i don't want any sovereign nation state even though it's quite attractive because they have pots of money and they don't care but i mean usually you know tied to that is uh 
you know, is a, is a dodgy human rights record, as Newcastle are going to find out sooner or later. Um, I don't think we're going to get anybody like Roman, whatever the reasons may be. He was just prepared to just keep shoveling money into the club. But I think Dane's got a point there, actually. I mean, the club's been run a lot more frugally in the last kind of five to ten years. And, it, and, and his aim was always to get itself sustaining, quite possibly, because he knew, always knew that this day was going to come. Um, and I think we've got a superb academy that we can draw on. And, I, and I've always said, and I've written about it hugely, that, you know, you need a balance in a team of, uh, you know, good players, good solid players, uh, a lot of players coming through the academy who are wonderful, and then sprinkling on the top of it some world-class players. So that's what you spend your money on, getting some big names in like that. And then you've got a really good balanced side. I mean, it's interesting that he spent all that money on Lukaku, isn't it? Because that's been the outlier. But uh, I think I think it can be run quite frugally in the way that actually Roman has been doing, apart from the obvious blip. And that's what we'll miss when he decides, oh, I actually want Rom- Romelu Lukaku and I'll spend $100 million. So, for example, I think that under new owners, we probably won't sign Declan Rice because he's going to cost 120 quid, a million quid. And I just don't see a new owner coming in and doing that. Of course, the other point is, we just don't know, do we? That's the reality. Um, so, I mean, you know, watch... I mean, I'll tell you what worries me really, uh, JK, and, and that's... You know, you and I have been around the block a bit. I've worked and run, worked for a lot of companies, run a lot of companies. And in my experience, whenever you get a new owner, when it's under new management, uh, their compulsion is to change everything. And that really worries me. I mean, we know that, that, that Bruce Buck's likely to go. He's Roman's man. Marina Grunovskaya may well go. She's Roman's, Roman's woman, if you like. Um, I've also heard about Peter Cech. But, you know, it's not unusual for the board to be replaced. And, of course, that would be very proper and normal because a new company, a, a new owner, is going to want his own people on the board. But what worries me is the fact, JK, that they've we've done so many great things at this club. We've got world-class people across the board in that club. They've 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 done brilliant things in the way that they run it. I mean, Marina is arguably one of the best people at what she does. Petr Cech, I don't think you could get a better person doing what he does, an ex-legend of the club. I think Bruce is his own way. I've got a lot of time for Bruce. I know he doesn't appeal to everybody, but my dealings with him, he's always been very reasonable and fair and tolerant of us shouting at him. And I, I quite like the guy, actually. He's got a good sense of humour. And I fear that we're going to, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater here because change, you know, change begets change, doesn't it? Well, the new broom, as I said, always sweeps clean, but um, it depends how intelligent they all are. If they notice that the, the model works superbly, um, why destroy it? It might be that they observe it for a few months, allow it to carry on in the same way, and then change if they don't think it's working. Uh, I uh, Once again, we're in unknown ter- territory. It depends on the, um, uh, on the new owner. If the new known owner, it might be the worst possible thing, having a new owner who knows a lot about football because he might then want to interfere in everything. Um, and so that's what we don't want. With the fact that, that, well, that we don't know once again the degree to which Roman ever interve- intervened because he never, he never revealed himself. And perhaps they had a meeting with him every night when he was discussing tactics. We, we'll, we'll never know. Um, but um, uh, you would hope given the success of the model that whoever comes in would be very willing to allow it to keep the same shape before imposing their own um, uh, view of the whole situation. It's not as if somebody's coming in and the club uh, hasn't been performing. It's a very unique situation. Mm. I mean, Dane, one of the things that 
you know, might be a change for good, although I know it's pretty hard to argue this. But, it, you know, one change that might be useful is to see some stability in terms of not sacking managers every 18 months because we don't finish in the top four. Um, I mean, as I said, it's hard to argue against that when you see the results of that, which has been a bloody trophy every season. But, I, I you know, we've all said on this show many times, you know, for God's sake, just keep somebody on board for a while. Look at Klopp, look at Guardiola, look how well they've done because of that. Keep keeping Tuchel, for example, for you know, uh, as long as we can, even if there's a blip. So maybe there are some changes that, that, that might be quite welcome. And this is obviously coming at a really wrong time because by all accounts, the relationship between Tuchel, Marina and Petra Trek is, is amazingly good. Uh, he He's talked about being at a club where no one interferes. Uh, no, There's no director, uh, uh, you know, pressing him or asking him or getting involved in or just standing on the training ground, you know, being uh, nosy. So it's a shame, but you're absolutely right. You know, you know, we've always said, don't you, don't, don't fall in love with these managers because they won't last long. But I truly believe that I truly believed before, obviously, this came out about Roman that Tuchel could could break that mold of Chelsea managers and be here for a while. And I just hope whoever the potential owner is, because obviously he's out there somewhere now, he he or she uh is seeing how how well Tuchel is liked and and has a plan to 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 you know to implement things like those structures like you say because you know sometimes we, we do underperform or have a couple of a couple of bad you know games or or, or or a half a season the answer is not always to 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 sack the manager and if you're also worried about transfers you look at how many big how much we how many much money we've spent and how many of those big transfers have actually been successful it's the lower ones the 30 to 40 million ones that have, have been successful so it, yeah it's it's exciting times but you're right you know i'd worry about i wouldn't like to see marina go no, i wouldn't I like wouldn't. to see i wouldn't like to see petter go either but you're right if someone comes in they could just you know, wipe the slate clean, say this is what we're doing, but bring in their own Chelsea men. Yeah, but I mean, you know, if they've got half a brain, they would probably keep Marina on. But I, I mean, you know, having been in this position myself, it's very hard to do that because, the, you know, they, they want, you know, they're going to, there are going to be people in that club that they see as Romans people. Mm. And actually it's so usual that they will clean the decks of those kind of people. And Marina would be in that. And that's even if she wants to stay, but I think she's a tremendous asset and it would be, a real shame to see her go. And I don't think you can get rid of Petr Cech. I mean, you know, I I think actually, in a sense, he's even more important to keep because for me, he represents that culture of Chelsea, as as, as we often say about the players. Um, Dan, on that kind of point, and also slightly with your, your trust hat on as well, you know, what absolutely has to be protected, do you think? Oh, that's a bigger picture. The most important thing is they were still a Chelsea football club going forward for the next 100 years, whatever form that might be, whether it's a trophy-winning machine or it's just a team that, you know, just, you know, plods on by. I think, listen, whoever's going to spend two, three billion pounds, they're going to do the due diligence. They're going to look around and see, well, if we sack Tuchel, who are we going to bring in? There's no Why, why would they want to sack him, though? No, no, but, you know, but you're saying about people would bring their own people in. Their yeah, own but they won't, not, not if he's just won the, won the champion. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. It does. They'd be mad. <laughs> No, they no, would. But, they would be mad, but you know, this is the kind of nutty thing an owner would do. If you're an egotistical billionaire, you might want to bring your own people in to make a point. But I'm hoping these people are going to do their due diligence. That you know what, Thomas Tuchel has won three trophies in twelve months. There's no better manager available out there. <laughs> so, listen, everything is such an unknown quantity right now. It's, 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 you know, probably the most 
important next three, four, five months in Chelsea's history, probably. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, sorry, Dan, go on, finish. Sorry, Dan. All I want is there still to be Chelsea Football Club at Stamford Bridge in 50 years' time and 60 years' time and 70 years' time. Yeah. Now, whether that's with one trophy or 40 trophies, I don't care. Yeah. Got to be a Chelsea Football Club, sustainable Chelsea Football Club for all the fans, for all the future generations are going to come and you know, watch this great club. I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, I, and Jonathan, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I mean, I, I think somebody said it on here, actually. I think it was uh, it was um, Brian or somebody else. No, it's Andy, actually. Bless his heart. Andy Willis. Hello, Andy. Nice to see you in here. Tuchel, in this moment, is arguably one of our finest assets. And I, I, I would agree with that. And I think it's interesting, isn't it? The sea change, JK, because right now at the club, forget anything else that's going on with it being sold or Roman giving up on it, whatever. It's the first time, I think, since, you know, arguably Mourinho came in and Roman came in that we've got a manager who is more valuable than the players because it's been the other way around pretty much for Roman's entire tenure. He is the most important asset in this club. And I think they'll be able to see that this is just the beginning for Tuchel because once again, he's making, um, he's making, in some instances, average players into great performers, which is exactly what you want from a a manager who uh, sticks them in the crucible and makes them um, out of out of copper makes gold you know it's it's uh, and if once again we have to remember that none of these are his players unless we talk about Lukaku we're not even sure that who bought that bought him for him I said that god I can't believe I said that who bought him uh, for the team so um uh imagine what it would be like if the, the new owners can afford to buy some some of the the other players that he would target. But if not, if, if it, it, I, what I think is you don't need to then buy those players. Uh, if the new owner says, I don't, I don't want to go down that route. I'd like to try and work with what you've got because he is a great tactician and great with working with, with the base metal, you know, he's uh, as we've established, he's, he's an unbelievable manager. He is indeed. Uh, Dan. Yeah. Also we're, we're not that far away from having, the complete squad. So if a new ma- a new person does come in, it's not like we need a four hundred million pound overhaul of players. We probably need one or two players in certain positions. We're going to be challenging all the way. So we're not that far off. You know, we're not not like when Roman came in and we had a really average squad and he had to reinvest completely. We are not far away from a brilliant, brilliant team. All the players we've got are so young in that team. You like Reese James, Pulisic, Havertz. They're all in their early twenties. We're not. We're not a million miles away from really seriously challenging Liverpool and City season in, season out. So it's not a huge player investment, in my opinion. Indeed. I mean, you know, in terms of what we need to protect, I think, uh, you know, added to the the excellent uh, supporters trust statement, which is really, I mean, they're not just talking about protecting, uh, you know, our, our kind of status as supporters and the input we have. They're actually going further, saying we need to have more. And I wholeheartedly support that. Um, but again, the European Super League's got to be off the table forever. Uh, and the foundation, I think that the work that, that's happened in the foundation needs to absolutely continue. So something that occurred to me was, you know, the way that Roman uh, embraced a lot of the former players and brought them back into the fold when Bates had like ostracised them. Things like that need to, to stay put. The foundation needs to stay put. The CPO needs to stay put. In fact, actually, I'll go further than that. They need to write off that eight million debt, which is supposed to be paid off by two thousand. Uh, twenty one ninety six or something. So it's irrelevant anyway. The lovely Chris Isaac said, uh, "Is it said that uh, it's it's a 
kind of weird loan because you know it 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 doesn't have to pay back for so long you know it's almost irrelevant to things so if it is irrelevant wipe the bloody thing off then it's no no skin off your nose to do that so there are there are very uh important things to protect but i agree i think the most important asset the club has at the moment is thomas tuchel and that's what needs to be protected along with the academy and the work that's gone on there because i think you know, whatever happens, whether we decide not to spend loads of cash going forward, I think the academy could be our saviour. And I think that needs to be protected, too. But having said all of that, all of you, uh, I'll ask you all individually. I mean, how how worried are you at the moment, Dane? Uh, how worried am I? I I'm not your, uh, again, I'm going to stereotype men. Oh, men don't like change in, in everyday life. I'm quite happy with change. It doesn't bother me. I can sort of go anywhere, work anywhere live anywhere in footballing sporting terms i don't like change uh, especially if i don't want it to happen like stubbornly uh, so i am worried i'm i'm i think we've been in a good position for as we said 19 20 years now i've i've never been more satisfied with a manager uh, we've had some greats as 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 we know from from conte's first season to 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 mourinho obviously to to, to frank great in in our heart uh, so I'm worried about Tuchel because you just don't know, you know, what the new owners and 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 what might happen. And obviously, we it is it's natural to be worried because we have no idea one who's coming in and what their what what their ambitions are and and why they're coming in. It's so easy to to for someone to to be sold a dream, but then completely go the other way. We sit with politicians every freaking day. We've been seeing it for years with them. So yeah, I I, I am worried. Indeed, Dan. Um, it's uncertainty I'm worried about, not about the future, because I think, just from a purely business perspective, if somebody's going to invest that amount of money, and the way Roman wants to lead the club, I, th- I think I think we're going to be okay. I think whoever comes in, and anybody now who's touting their the bids in social media, that they're not serious. Most people bidding seriously be signing NDAs and all sorts of stuff so I don't think anything you read with the Swiss people Todd Bowley whatever his name is I think that's all just conjecture um I tell you what I'm very, I'm very simple I just want Chelsea to be secure and safe for the next hundred years beyond that I'm, I'm, I don't care I really really don't care the most important thing is that that badge that's been around for 117 years it's generation after generation is still going to be there in whatever guys that might be. That's that's all I want. I'm, I'm you know, I've, I've seen this win 20, 28 trophies, and if that's what it is, by the time I, I you know, I leave this planet, then then so be it. Just just want Chelsea to be secure. Mm-hmm. J.K. Uh, I'm not worried at all. You never are, love. That's why you're we in, love you're, you. You're buying a club with your voiceover money. <laughs> if only. So I keep saying that. I'll buy me a corner flag. Um, uh, I'm more worried about referees, um, whether it's unconscious bias or whether it's deliberate uh, um, finding fault with us all over Europe just because we're who we are and um, and not giving us the fine margins, um, which means we've got to score more goals. I'm more worried about the Ukraine. Um, I'm more worried about Armageddon. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I, I think uh, the club has reached um, an enormous level it's one of the best clubs, one of the best clubs in the world. It's an elite club. And uh, I don't think anybody buying the club is going to muck it up. Um, it might be up and down. It might be more 
uh, it might be uh, less successful briefly, but um, but also there's the fact that you know I, I I watched them when I first watched football playing in Division Two, and you get many false dawns, and you love that moment that you've been watching them, and then they go down again, and then you think you'd love them to win a trophy. And yes, this has been a completely supreme period, but I I think they have the the uh, the foundations just to continue it and um whoever comes in i can't see anybody mucking it up personally yeah. i mean I, I mean exactly that i mean I, i'm worried to a degree because change is worrying uncertainty is worrying um things aren't going to be exactly the same but you know sometimes as i said not all change is necessarily bad and i agree totally with jk there that i think that what roman has done is he's he's laid such a unbelievably good foundation that you'd have to be a complete fucking idiot and a moron to screw it up, you know, really. Or or a liar and a fraud who comes in saying, yeah, we're going to do all these things and we've got all this money, but actually doesn't really. And I trust Roman to do the due diligence on this and also trust his emotional input, which is he does love this club and he doesn't want to see his legacy destroyed. So he, he will sell it to somebody who will, who, do, who will do right by us and the club. So I do, I do trust a lot in that. And I'm also kind of... You know, with Dan a bit, and I suppose JK a bit too. I mean, it's easy for us to say it, you know, because we're of a certain age um, and we're not like some kid who's kind of just like grown up with what we've just seen over the last 20 years. But, you know, if I didn't see us win another trophy, I'd, I'd, I'd live with that because I've seen us win everything there is to win. And I never thought I'd see us win, you know, I doubt whether we win another bloody FA Cup at some stages, let alone a league and a Champions League and everything else. And it's, it's. It, I suppose it's what you know. It's suppose it, it's kind of really how much you've been hit by the last twenty years of unending success. You know, if that's what gets you a hard on, then you're going to be very worried and 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 you might be disappointed about what happens next. But if it's not about that, if it's about loving the club, just loving the experience of being part of it and being there, loving the mates that you go with, loving watching football, you know, l- learning to live with the ups and downs of it, then then it's a very different story. And as I'm supposed to say, we, we have the luxury of being in that position. But whatever the case is, it's going to be uncertain times for a while. That's for sure. And uh, on that point, it's probably there is probably no better time than right now to go and buy a Chelsea pitch owner's share. Um, because, of course, hopefully that will be enough to protect us from whoever comes in and whatever they try and do, certainly in terms of the stadium and the name of Chelsea FC, which is very, very important to many of us. Uh, all you have to do is you just go to the main Chelsea website, search for Chelsea Pitch Owners, and you can actually buy and buy a share online now. Uh, and you can get an electronic share for 110 quid. Uh, you can have other ones which are uh, framed and signed by certain players. You can even have one that's presented you to on the pitch, and they cost a lot more. But the basic entry level is 110 pounds. Okay, go and get one. The more people with their heads screwed on who want Chelsea to play at Stamford Bridge forever and Chelsea FC to be called Chelsea FC and have hopefully some leverage and power over anybody who comes in, the better. Do it. Do it now. Right. That, I'm afraid, is all we've got time for this week. Uh, JK and I will be back with you on Friday night to look back at uh, Thursday night's match against Norwich and uh, also to preview the Premier League match at home to Newcastle. Uh, now, we're going to be joined by Martin Wickham and Adam Newson from Football.London, so don't miss that. We'll be on air at 7 on Mixler, as always. And, uh, of course, the Chelsea fancast and Dean's went to... Well, Dean and Dane and Jane, I should say, 
mm. Went to Mo, King's Meadow are available as podcasts on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud and Spotify, as well as other podcast distributors. And I know that there'll be a Went to Mo, King's Meadow winging its way to you fairly soon because Dean sent it to me while we were doing this show. Uh, quick shout out, as always, for, uh, well, a number one, thank you to the Chelsea Fancast patrons who we love and adore and cherish as one of our own. Uh, helps me to you know keep this thing off going chugging along as it does if you want to donate whatever you want i mean there's no uh you know really there's no pressure at all it can be as little or as much as you want or nothing at all i love you all equally but if you want to join in the fun it's patreon.com forward slash chelsea fancast and uh if you do so you will be entitled to a kerry dixon mini banner a replica of the one that hangs in the matthew harding upper and of course you can join our discord group where lots of great fun people are around and i have a great hoot with them all talking about chelsea so there you go and don't forget, of course, send your emails, chelseafancast at gmail.com or anywhere on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Patreon. Just send them there if you want. But chelseafancast at gmail.com is my preference. Right. You can follow uh, us on social media at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Dan at DanSilv73 and Dane at DWIT9. W-I-T-T-9. Dane. Great to see you, and I'm particularly delighted to know that you bunked out and went to Mo King's Meadow to be on with us tonight. Good good call, mate. Yeah, likewise, nice to see you. Yeah, hopefully Dean doesn't listen to this one. So he, he He's fired, that, but... he's fired immediately. <laughs> it's, a, it's a condition of the contract that you must listen to the Chelsea. You know, I never listen to the shows either, actually. I should, shouldn't tell you all that, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate being on. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always nice to come on after a good victory, but to then try and balance it up with what's going on, uh, trying to work out what's going on behind the scenes with Roman and everything was 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 really uh, was really helpful for me personally as well. Mm, good to talk about it, really. We haven't had the opportunity really until now, so I'm glad we have. Dan, great to see you, mate. It's good to see you on Saturday at the EGM, and I think I'm seeing you again. When are we meeting again? Tomorrow night? Tomorrow, yeah. Uh, no, Tuesday or Wednesday, we get enough uh, members to yeah. make it worthwhile. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be soon. Yeah, good to see you. It's, it's always, you know... As Mark Worse is glorious unpredictability watching this fantastic, amazing club. Yeah, it is indeed, absolutely. Well, well done, and well done for all your work on the trust uh, recently. You're doing us all proud, Thank mate. Uh, last, but by no means least, the Right Honourable Lord Privy of the Seal, Mr Jonathan Kidd. Lord Seal of the Privy, surely. Lord Seal of the Privy, <laughs> indeed. Um, keep up the good work with the fan bites, mate. They just get better and better. People love them. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting a lot of love on the uh, up, at, uh, up at Burnley. Yeah. That's nice. It's it's lovely. Talking to my mate Kerry Hawkins today, who lives in Winchester and is a lovely bloke. He's got the best collection of Chelsea memorabilia I've ever seen. Basically, oh, yeah. yeah, brilliant. And he said, he said, oh fucking hell, I love, I love Johnny. You've got to tell Jonathan how much I love his fan bites. They're brilliant. He says, I, I, he says, I, I, I don't sleep much, so I sit there waiting, <laughs> waiting for them to turn up, and I love them. They make me laugh so much. He said they're brilliant. Oh, he, said, he, he specifically told me to, I had to tell you how much he loves them and you. So there you go. Thank you. That's really terrific. Thanks, Chidge. I love that. Thank yeah, you. He's great stuff. And uh, they are brilliant, I have to say. They all ask me, how does he do them? How does he? I said, he just does them off the cuff. <laughs> you know? Of course you do. I know that. Uh, brilliant to see you, mate, as always. I look forward to seeing you again on Friday, as I do everybody else. Uh, thank you for listening. See you next week. Well, actually, no, see you on Friday. Get it right. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea.
It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.